Right today, Ian. Not feeling very bright. <clears throat> Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast. Podcast for Tuesday, July twentieth. Podcast. It's Man on the Moon Day. Doing podcasts. Two thousand twenty-one. Alongside bright and cheerful, Ian Ferguson. Woo! I'm Pat Country. You on, are on this audio <clears throat> delicatessen. Delicatessen? Delicacy. This audio delicacy. We'll be discussing... Audio smorgasbord? I, I, didn't want, I always use smorgasbord. Smor- yeah, well... We'll be talking about... Stick um, to what you know. Wow. Talk about the, <laughs> the, the Steam Deck. Out of nowhere, like an RKO. We'll be talking about uh, an update in terms of all the WADA craziness. Things are moving quickly in the high-end video game collector land, as long, alongside an Ars Technica article that covered it. And we'll be talking about it. We'll do, we'll do a Patreon poll topic. We'll do a voice message as well. Kind of a low-key one. Real quick, I'll be at, before I forget, I will be at Retropalooza Houston this weekend, July 24th, 25th. That's actually Pasadena, Texas, technically. You can see me. I'll have some superintendent guidebooks, NES guidebooks, my first convention in a year and a half. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Be safe, though. Wear your mask. Get that, get that vax in you. How, Ian, how was your weekend? How was my weekend? It was good. Um, I got to uh, explore the Streets of Rage 4 DLC a little bit more. Um, started doing a, a... played through with Estelle, the cop character. She's a lot of fun. I haven't played through with Max or Shiva yet. But I finally got a chance to play the survival mode, which I didn't really talk about in the writing that I did last week, which we do at patreon.com slash CU podcast. Boom! He's learning. <laughs> After eight years, he's learning how to plug. Um, anyway, yeah, the uh, I'm really, really excited for the survival mode. It's like a... Um, Brawler survival? It's like a, an X-Men danger room type of thing Ooh. where it keeps throwing different backgrounds, different enemy setups, okay. and different pickups at you and just kind of randomizes it and you see how long you can last. Is it a smorgasbord of, of fighting fun? It's, it's, a, it's a buffet. A buffet. A buffet. A, a, uh, a, a table with food on it. Jimmy Buffett. Of, of options. Um, but I'm really enjoying it and I'm just remembering how much I love that game and how much it's the greatest video game ever made. Ever made Streets of Rage. We're getting there. Ever. We're getting there. Ever. With every year that goes by, and I feel no different about it. We well, I mean, it's been out for two years, right? Yeah. Well, when it gets to three or four, uh, no- nothing has has dethroned the, it. Even the original Final Fight. Even the original Final Fight. Oh, Ian, that's even the original Double Dragon. That's fighting. Oh, words, take your Double dr- Double. You j- <laughs> take your Double. Take dr- your dribble. Double Dragon and juggle it up your ass. Take, juggle take, it. Take your Double Dribble. Double Dribble double and do dribble. that. Shitty game. Ian, uh, don't make me hurt you. Broken game. Broken. Game. Broken game. Broken game. B R O C A N. Broken. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, I started playing Neverwinter Nights again last night, which was probably a bad idea. Um, Bioware RPG, I think like 2002 Dungeons and Dragons universe. Um, I haven't been able to play D&D as much as I used to. Uh, 
because I'm sorry, Ian. Well, it's a bummer. Uh, I'm bummed for you. Uh, you're bummed. Um, yeah, one of the kids moved up to Anaheim because he works at Disney. So him getting down here is harder. How so, dare he? So I have pursue to a, pursue a career. How dare he? Playing with warlocks and elves. How dare he? Yeah, he's really upset that he's not playing with warlocks and elves. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, I've picked up old PC D&D games again. What have you done this weekend? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Ian. Wow, I'm like shocked. I'm, 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 I'm taken aback. I'm, I'm all flush. Um I, uh, I I think I uh, edited an N64 review, but it's all turning to mush in my head. It's working on the project. What review? I, I forget. I don't know. I edit, I don't know Ian anymore. I edit, you know, there's like seventy left to write and, and edit. So I don't know. Just making conversation. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. But but uh, writer just did Derby Stallion '64, and that looks interesting. There was like two or three horsey games, but that was that was a cartoon. That was a whole series. Derby Stallion Stallion. They did a bunch of games in Japan. That reminds me. They did about ten of them. So I guess horse racing is big in Japan. Oh, there's tons of horse racing games. There's the uh, Gallop Racer series. Okay, that uh, Tecmo did. Oh, um, and then there's some. There was another one like something, something Premier Cup. Um, and then I'm looking one up now actually to see if there's a translation yet. Uh, SquareSoft released one called Chocobo Stallion. Uh, oh, on the, okay. Uh, PlayStation. That's all about Chocobo racing, as if it were horse racing. <laughs> And I've owned it at a couple of times because it's a really neat idea for a game, but it's one of those games that you absolutely need to know Japanese to play or have a translation. Yeah, so that's that's the pain we're now going through. We're, we're about, I think, half we're halfway through the Japanese game. There's a hundred exclusive N64 Japanese games, including the that includes the ten or so DD games. We're doing we're doing it all. Pat, I'm, I'm not I'm not skimping out on this. We're doing full reviews of the whole library, and but there's a lot of these games. Half the games don't require almost any Japanese. About half, or a little more than half. Then you have like a quarter that require a little bit, but you can get through it, you know. And then you have like about fifteen to twenty that are hell on earth. Sure. That like are either uh, RPGs or like like adventure games. Uh, like there's that one where you're like a robot girl. I keep I forget the name. I edited the review and I forget the name. My mind is mush when it comes to this, this anymore. But so some of them have translations, have patches that you can use. So that's cool. Some have like walkthroughs that we found, like either on um, YouTube videos where people walk you through it with some translation. There's a choose your own adventure game on like a ghost ship. That's literally a choose your own adventure. It's that's all the game is. It's just, it's like still images, and you do a choice and you send it somewhere else. So like someone actually um, translated all of that and put out like a, a video like with every single iteration of choice. It's like nine and a half hours. This video. So like, uh, good old Daniel. He he volunteered to take that one. Good it's like, old Daniel. But. There's still like five left that are unassigned that what you know, up, I don't have to bribe people to Good do. Good old Daniel. I, I see. Unlike the other uh, folks out there, I pay the people working my projects, so I'm gonna have an extra bounty on. Um, there's a Tamagotchi game that doesn't have a translation out there, so that's gonna be a little rough. But there's the, there's a the Google Translate, um, you know, app on the phone that kind of works, and there's also the ones built into some of the emulators into RetroArch that kind of get the job done. We'll get through it. That's the point. We are persevering as a group of us. There are 20 writers on this team, and we are persevering. This. We're getting it done. The here. most writers for the smallest library, which is which I did not see coming. I did not. We only had about ten to twelve on the Super Nintendo book. About about twelve. So I'm like, I was shocked that I was like, okay, then twelve should be more than enough. I was like, ten, twelve writers should be enough. You know, like like forty games each. It didn't work out. I think I think the the console it was harder for people to wrap their heads around it. The emulation is is the worst fucking console to emulate. Um, that's that's a problem. 
And some of the games take a while to get into. They're not not that there's not games that you can play in a short amount of time, but there's some games that are an annoyance, I'll just say. So it's a weird factor. The pandemic did not help at all, though, too, that people got weirded out last year in the pandemic, I think. So, But no, we're getting there. And I'm taking one for the team. I'm doing DDR Disney, the Japanese exclusive with the mat. I'm taking one. Why is that taking one for a team? That sounds like fun. To get the mat and sweat it out Yeah, for it? You don't need it. You can use the controller, though, but I'm going to do it. Oh, so so uh, that'll the, be the one review I do. Just give me that, and I'll just do that. I'll, I'll do a fucking page the and a half long review. I'll review every <laughs> song, every, every song, every so, song. So there was that controversy. I did, I haven't had a bad eBay deal in a while. It's been a while. Um, so I ordered it, uh, the GDR mat in the box and the game in the box because they were sold separately. I'm, I'm not sure why they were What's sold separately. What's in the box? Because there was only the one game. Well, okay, they were sold separately because you don't need the pad to play the game. Okay, that's fine. So, um, was that a seven reference you tried to do? That was an awful yeah, Brad Pitt. The Witch of the Box! The of the Box! That's a great movie. <laughs> so sleepy. I That's a great movie. It. It is Tricks a great of Dr. Movie. Pepper. It's so, a fucking uh, incredible movie. I have movie. a fire energy from a... It's a great movie. There's a five-year-old fire energy. I don't want it! <laughs> so, so, I ordered it. It was like 70 bucks shipped from Japan. Great deal. I'm like, I'm going to get this done before I go to Retchpalooza. Houston. Great deal, seventy bucks, and even the game had everything. It had like the registration card, and they sent me the fucking PS2 version of this instead. And so I'm like, I want to return this. I have no need for this. Another th- piece of crap laying around. I'll throw in a room here, and they're like, Oh, we'll, we'll offer you a thirty dollar. No, who's running this account? Children? Well, yeah. How do you not know the difference? That's ridiculous. There? And this was like a, this was a professional selling account in Japan. So like, they offered me, eh, we'll give you a thirty dollar, uh, you know, just to keep. No, I don't need it. Send me what, and they still had it available. They still had it available on their, like, so it was like two or three available. So, like, so eBay did the right thing. They stepped in and said, no, we're going to refund you. So now I get a PS2 Disney DDR. No game, but I got the pad. Mail traded into Luna, two locations. Shula Vista, we get pads away for free, man. Not this Disney one in the box. It's 20 years old. No, I don't care. Okay, so that's, so that's, I got that left and Super Smash Brothers. I don't want it. Um, Smash Brothers, that'll be fun. Before you ask out there, I'm taking I, I, my my workload on the book is above the average writers uh, one by by a couple. Like I'm doing the averages. There's one writer though that's it's fucking is a is a champion that you know I, is it God? Is it good old Daniel? No, Daniel's great. But there's oh, another okay. writer that came on in January and has written 43 reviews since January. Do they get a fun um, a fun acronym? Well, he's actually DK. That's his acronym. Oh, DK. That's good. DK. That is good. But uh, I don't know. Uh, his name is Dale. Hey, Dale. I love you, buddy. I don't know where you were last uh, June when I put out Call After the Writer May. We would have been done with the book by now. He would have written like 100. He probably would have written a quarter of the book himself. All right. That's what's going on here. Oscar Meyer. <laughs> I wish I was an Oscar Meyer wiener. That is what I truly want to be, E.E. So we talked about this, about how why the bun sizes don't match up to how many hot dogs you buy. Why? Why is it? Why? Why is it like you get like eight, eight hot dogs or whatever? You get six buns or vice versa. Like what? I'm less concerned about the bun count, and I'm still more upset about the the pack of seven hot dogs that I bought. What the fuck is seven hot? So dogs? there's collusion going on in the industries. So Oscar Meyer <laughs> yes, did a tweet is. July fifteenth. We we finally feel seen. We've always believed hot dogs are our perfect ten. So we, here's an idea for anyone who needs more buns. 5,700 retweets, and we will make it happen. Uh, they're not there yet, but they want to put out like a smaller two count. So you can 
pair it up with like a six to, for the because a lot of hot dogs are, you get are like an eight count. So they're they're helping. That's w- a lot of wasted fucking plastic for an internet joke. Just put them in the normal bag. Just do an eight count. Just do an eight count. Well, here's the thing though. Um, most of these hot dog companies don't also have buns. I didn't know Oscar Mayer made buns. Mm. I did not know they did that. So maybe they're trying to corner the market. Did you ever uh, see the Wienermobile? Yes, yeah, I just awesome. see it on yeah in New Jersey and Delaware and Pennsylvania. <laughs> it was, it, you see it on the highway. <laughs> I saw it like five times in my childhood. There are a few things that I get as like I. How does it get around that much? I, I saw it like five times in my childhood. Like every other year, uh, I see it. There's multiple Wiener Mobiles. Oh, there's multiple ones. Don't no, don't don't destroy it. It's like multiple having multiple Santas. No, there's only one. No, there's multiple Wiener Mobiles. But the best part was the fucking whistles. I don't remember the whistle. I want one again so bad. You never had there was a, a Wiener, wiener missile. If you go wiener see, missile? if, if, if wiener, like the, if you wiener, if you like went wiener, wiener, wiener whistle, if you go see the Wiener Mobile at like a fair. Uh, I never saw that I see that and you like walk up to them. They 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 give you whistles that look like the Wienermobile. Oh, okay. I want one on eBay. I wow. oh, man, I love the Wienermobile. I'd love to see the Wienermobile. Again. Did they sell hot dogs out of the Wienermobile? What do they do? I've never purchased. I, I think it was just promotions. It was like, hey, come see the Wienermobile and get a whistle. I don't think I I, I can tell you. I've never purchased a hot dog so, out of the Wienermobile. So people were saying, why not just do a pack of ten? I guess Ostermar does a pa- does ten hot dogs. Ten. I've seen six, but I usually usually I see eight. I see packs of eight hot dogs or twelve. No, no, it's like yeah, it's always an off number. Seven is is barbaric. That's not even an even number. That's insane. No, it's ridiculous. Seven is like then I got to buy like two different ones to make an even number of fourteen. And I got to buy you know what I mean like you got to do some hot dog math to make it work. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. We brought we brought that up around Fourth of July, right? You want to talk about this Evercade collection? Yeah, just real quick. Evercade is releasing a new collection. This one actually got me pretty excited. It's the Renovation Collection, I'm Volume excited. You're One. Excited. Renovation Collection. Uh, that was the name that a lot of Telnet games and Wolf Team games got released Earth. under in um, the U.S. Um, and it's a good list. Uh, Arcus Odyssey, Beast Wrestler. Dino Land, El Viento, a personal favorite of mine. I love El Viento. Um, Exile, which is great. Uh, I like the PC Engine version. Final Zone, uh, Shooters, Gaiares, and Granada, uh, and Soldis. Actually, Treasures is a shooter as well. Uh, and then the Genesis versions of uh, the first Valis and uh, Valis 3. Um, so that's actually pretty exciting to me. That's uh, Those are pretty deep cuts, good stuff. Um, a nice mix of shooters and um, action platformers. And I'd love to see what a volume two or something else looked like. Uh, I like that they keep so they keep the volume one on there. Renovation was not the name they used, I don't believe, um, when it came to releases on other systems. But I would love to see more Valis stuff. I would love to see um, other versions of Valis from, again, talking about the Evercade. Uh, we talked about this in the past. I'd love to see PC Engine ports. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that, but no, this is a cool one. This one actually and, grabbed my attention. And these are, I like these. These are these aren't just like okay, we're just gonna put on you know whatever Atari twenty six hundred games. These are games that are tough to find and come by. They're they're spendy. Uh, they're games that have definitely gotten yeah. more expensive over the years. Yeah. So like these make these make a lot of sense. So yeah, I like what Evercade's doing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're positive on the Evercade folks out yeah. there. So this is gonna come out. Let's see, early two thousand twenty two. First cartridges in the two thousand twenty two lineup. So there you go. Pre-orders open November. There you go. There you go. Evercade Renovation Products Collection 1. Uh, you could uh, 
find some products at ultimateintendo.com. Some products to collect. There's, there's products there. There's a RBI baseball stickers. Oh, I got a formula to figure out how many. Someone sent me a formula to figure out. I forgot to do it. Next week, I will, I will tell you the formula that I sent in order to figure out how many labels are on here. I got the label. Obviously, I got, I got the formula for it. Okay. Uh, assuming that the thickness is 0.1 millimeters, mm-hmm. which it probably is, or maybe 0.15, I'll try, I'll try to measure that. I got the formula to figure out how many stickers are on here. Price is right, price is right rules, Ian. How many stickers are on here without going over? <laughs> he's, he's, he's counting it. A lot. A lot? Okay, that's not really a guess. I'm going to guess there's 728. I was going to say like 700-something. You want to like, go price right rules? You want to put one over? We'll go 730 like we're, at, we're bidding? I hate those people. I'll go 730 $1. No, $500. 501 That asshole. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? Do like 520 at least. Give me a chance. If something doesn't mean price right, we're meeting in the back alley. The Hollywood Studios, wherever they film that. In Burbank. Hoobaloobu. you got to be kidding me. Uh, Forrest of Illusion uh, put out... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm also on... Uh, what, what the hell am I on? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Country Code every Wednesday, 80s commercials. And Cameo.com slash Pat Country. I'm rocking the Cameo. Uh, Forrest of Illusion revealed a couple of things in a tweet from the Giga Leak that happened... What was that, two years ago already? When was the Giga Leak? That's a long time ago. And um, the most interesting I saw, well, there was a Pokemon Let's Go EV prototype for all you Pokemon fans out there. That want to uh, pour over that, but they reviewed uh, revealed that there was a plan for an, uh, the IQ GameCube version. So if you don't know that the IQ was the Chinese exclusive um, N sixty four that had the the games built in, the few games in the top of my head I forget, but Mario sixty four and there was a couple others on that. I forget Pilot Wings might have been one. So they were planning to do the Chinese one, which would have been a DVD player, which would have been interesting DVD slash CD player for the Chinese market, and it didn't happen. Didn't happen. There are six Wienermobiles currently traveling around the United States. It's like one of those things, like how many active serial killers are in the U.S. at one time. <laughs> there's like always like 25 to 30. It's always like a you know, number that gets you scared to think about. Um, all right, Dean. Do you see this uh, RK1UP article, how RK1UP plan, plans to revive arcade culture? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. Okay, well, moving on. We saw that's what the, that's what the podcast is. We just ask if we've we seen stuff. Uh, yeah, no, no, I haven't. Even. I'll tell you. Look, sure it's just it's these. just catching up on on stuff. To make sure that <laughs> we're going back to the see. old the old what we used to get mistaken for all the time. The catching up podcast. <laughs> you got it, Ian. Yes, the catching up podcast. Yes. So it was a podcast that used, the guys used to get pissed at us because they would get in their mentions where these guys. Not I'm not putting these guys down, but they their podcast was literally. Uh, it was called the CU Podcast, and they just basically did like a phone call and caught up every weekend about what they did. So that's what we're gonna we're gonna do that. Um, yeah, Ar- Arcade One Up <laughs> wants to wants to bring back arcade culture by selling particle board cheap cabinets with LCD screens. To oh, there it goes us getting some free uh, arcade machines. I'm not really always worried about free stuff. Um, I like what they do, Arcade One Up. What I like about what I like that Arcade One Up does is when they recreate things that would normally be very expensive that utilize um, unique control schemes. So things with the trackball, things like Star Wars with the yes. uh, the, the yoke, and um, uh, things spinners. like... Spinners. Spinners and things like uh, they did uh, the Big Buck Hunter. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need all the other ones. It's for the market to decide, Ian. 
It's capitalism. It works. Beautiful. Um, It's beautiful and free. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to... Why did you have to cast aspersions about particle board and LCD monitor? What did you want to ship you a CRT in a box that weighs 100 pounds? I just think it's pretty ballsy to say you're going to bring back arcade culture that way. Well, this is just the Den of Geek article that maybe maybe they just editorialized a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, Can you apologize to RK1 Up? They never did anything bad to us. But they did it. I'm just saying I don't find I don't think there's a need for all of their products, and I don't care if they said they free started. Stuff. It's only been they've only been around for two years. It feels like it's been two like five. years. Yes. It feels like a fucking decade. <laughs> oh, this article is from June of last year. Well, who sent me this article? Then they've been around for three years. Then they've been around for three years. That's it. Why are we looking at an article from a year Someone ago? Someone said this. This I got. I'm sorry, I didn't look this before. I didn't realize it was from June of last. Someone probably saw the date. I was like, oh, it's June of this year. This is what you get because they send you an article and you slap it in this intro without looking. Oh, and what boy. happens? Oh. I talk shit about Arcade One Up without needing go, to. And, and there goes your free Star Wars Arcade. I was never going to get a free one from them, and I don't care about freebies. I want if you do a Paperboy cabinet with the, with a controller. That's what I want with the bike handles. Bike handles. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, you can't pair that with anything. That was the only thing you could you could play. Was there? There wasn't like an off road, like I guess a racing game that uses the like a throttle. You could pair with that, but but Atari didn't uh, do one. That that classic Codemasters game, BMX Bertrand. <laughs> BMX what? Bertrand. Bertrand. It was called Bertrand. I think it was Stunt Kids. I was <laughs> I was joking. Okay, Bertrand is just a weird name. Okay, moving on from that bad topic. We have oh we have a <gasps> update. Is it a recent update or is it a uh, year old? No, no. Oh, I'm sorry, Ian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> PS4 warehouse that we reported on last week was not from the, the cryptocurrency mining. The one that we thought they were using PS4s to do crypto mining that was located next to the energy place in the Ukraine. So no shenanigans at all. And they were some. So like the, the, the Ukraine version of the FBI shut them down. Um, but and then the the, uh, the the energy plant was like, we have no idea what those guys are doing, but, you know, we say hi to them every day. So it turns out, Ian, they were mining crypto. Well, oh, sorry, sense. they weren't mining crypto. They were mining, I, uh, they, were mining they, they were doing FIFA bot farming, whatever that is. Whatever. Don't really know what that means. Um, but that's an update for you, and now you know the proper thing, which is not that it was, it was it not was cryptocurrency. 3,800 game consoles. Go forward with this information. Eight hundred. So I guess what do you know? You can just you just grind. It's like it's like World of Warcraft sort of shit. You can just grind and get points and build up characters, and I guess you can sell them off. That's what I'm guessing. I have I have no fucking clue. Come on, you're the you're the FIFA ultimate guy. You know you know you know the the modern games. I haven't played a FIFA game Past in like clueless. five years. Past clueless when it comes to modern games. That's what the internet tells me. Well, all I know is that apparently it was frowned upon and they shut it down. So they yeah, they weren't paying. They weren't paying their bills oh, to yeah. next door. They couldn't run the cash over. Well, they were they were running cash over allegedly, but not for, not for those bills. Can't you just yeah? We just have a meetup. Be like, hey neighbor, I'm sorry, I don't have the money. I'm farming bots for FIFA so I can sell okay. them and make money. You should have read this article. You know, from Euro, our friends at Eurogamer.net, one of the one of the more reputable gaming news websites. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend real-world money on loot boxes in the hope of obtaining high-value cards, but the odds of getting one of the best players is soul-destroyingly slim. Or you can play the game for months on end to, in a bid to save enough of the in-game currency uh... to splash out on the auction house. Or you can buy a FIFA Ultimate Team coins on the black market. To put that in context, uh, Lionel Messi's 99-rated Summer Stars card currently costs around $1.5 million FIFA Ultimate 
of team coins on the PlayStation auction house. So they're just grinding to get these players into the gotcha. cell. Gotcha, and then they sell them or trade So I wonder if there's like, is there like an AI? Can you like, is there something to, to program to like keep playing the game to get the points in order to earn it? I'm sure it's not this simple, but I'm sure there is a minimum number of steps required to be taken to earn something. So I'm sure you can't just go into a game and then exit out and get some coins, but I'm sure there is... Some, sure, there, but this is automated. That's what I'm saying. Like They're oh, automated yeah, yeah. playing in this game on, on five... On more, right. How many fucking numbers? I just don't consoles. know how far they're automating it or what they're doing. 3,800 game consoles are automating. They must be automating gameplay some, somehow. Or it's just one guy with a, like with just clicking things, <laughs> switching over between 3,800 game consoles, you know, when the game ends. Maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. So we're sorry we got that wrong out there in the Ukraine. Well, everyone else did as well. Everyone did. We're just dumb podca- uh, podcasters? Podcasters. Podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Podcasters. Yeah. We, we cast Pud in our sheath underwear. Sponsored, probably sponsored by Sheath Underwear. Sheathunderwear.com. Sheath.com slash so your podcast. Put them in a so, body bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's the next read. Next that's month, the next that. one. Uh, what else is going on here? Uh, this is a sad story, Ian. Museum of Pinball to close. In, in, uh, they're in Southern California, technically. So, yeah, I never got a chance to go there, unfortunately. Uh, 750 pinball machines. Uh, and arcade games. They closed. They're becoming a cannabis grow operation. Um, from what I understand, this uh, so uh, my co-host on the other podcast, Extra Napkins, John, actually filled me in a little bit on this. This was supposed to move to move fucking voice cracking. Uh, this was supposed to move to Palm Springs. Okay. And the location it was supposed to move to in Palm Springs is, I believe it's turning into a cannabis grow operation instead. And um, yeah, this place is gone, which is a bummer. It was around for, I think, five, six years. Um, And it's, it's hard. Pinball is one of those things that's just so hard to emulate unless you're in person playing it. And there are some very good digital versions of pinball. I really enjoyed Pinball Arcade. I think Zen Pinball uh, is doing a really good job with the realistic physics and the real tables currently. They have the license for Williams. Um, You know, these are fun ways to play the games, get a quick pinball fix, especially a good way to learn the rules without dumping a lot of money. But nothing feels like actual pinball. So it's a shame anytime you see any place that has a large concentration of machines in one area go under or experience issues. So, yeah, this is this is sad. I have no idea where all these machines are going to end up. Um, I had the wrong article here. I had the one about when it first opened in 2015. So they're going to auction them off all individually. Unfortunately, okay. they're, they're gonna, this is going to go scattered to the what do they call it, to the four winds? Is that the proper term? Auctioned off. Yeah, that's, yeah, they're that's a bummer. Um, uh, but if they had a place to store them, they would still have the museum. So, is that what I said? Just well, no. I mean, but I mean that's logical. I, I mean, they got he, pushed out by some some landlord. Is this like a movie? Is this like a movie? Uh, I think the original location plot? did, and then I'm not sure what really happened with what was supposed to become the second. This should, this should be this should be like um, the, the joystick sequel movie, trying to push out those pinball. Rah! Evil Jordan Baker wants to push out the pinball. What's people. joysticks? The movie. You're talking about in video game years, 1983. Jordan Baker. It was it was like the first like video game like arcade movie like it was like a sex comedy somehow? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, that's you right. don't remember that really? I, no, I do. It's yeah. awful. It was it was shot in like a week and a half with like no lighting, but there's a couple of big stars in that. The the young blonde went on to be an actress. 
that was in that. She must have been like 17, 16 at the time. You would know her face when you saw her. And then good old Jordan Baker is like the evil guy wanting to shut down the arcade. I don't know who Jordan Baker you don't, is. What? Mitchell. Jordan Baker, Walking Tall. Oh, okay, yeah. He was in three different James Bond movies. <clears throat> now I see him. He's still alive. Yeah. He hates Mitchell Science Theater for making fun of Mitchell, which is one of the best episodes, the last Joel episode. It's fucking hysterical, Mitchell. Um, don't, don't punch me, Jordan Baker. Don't get mad at me for saying that. But that's not a good portrayal of a, of a police inspector who's just slovenly and drinking, drinking Schlitz in his apartment. You see empty beer cans of Schlitz, and it's like... Who's going to watch it? Like, I think it was supposed to be like a pilot for maybe for a TV show, but they turned it into a movie, and it's just an awful, like... John Baker has that charisma that every man who just, you know, drinks, drinks uh, 12 cans of beer a day, you know. I guess there's an audience for that. There are two blondes in joysticks. I don't recognize either. You don't? Okay. I guarantee the one joysticks cast. There's uh, Corinne Cor- Cor- Borer. That's her. She's in every. She's been in tons of stuff over the past uh, forty years. She was in Police Academy Four, Citizens on Patrol. Yeah, her. Okay, and that wasn't all she was in, but she was she was someone. <laughs> okay, I believe you. She was in um, lots of lots of TV. Um, okay, maybe not as much as I thought. Veronica Mars, Murder in the First. Um, she was on. Okay, maybe less than I thought. Maybe, yeah, I, I, maybe I literally just remember her from Citizens on Patrol. She was a. Little, I, I think she, that's yeah. probably what you remember she her was, from, which I don't remember. She was at Steve Gutenberg's uh, love interest. She was one of the one of the citizens <laughs> being trained to be a cop. All right. Police Academy Four is uh is, is the last with Steve Gutenberg. That's the last of the classic uh, Police Academy movies that he decided I want to buy. I'm not going to go to Mission Miami Beach, but uh, I watch Mission Miami Beach. It's not it's not terrible. But after that, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want the other under siege and then go to fucking Russia. It's really bad. A Sega sued for rigging arcade machines, Ian. I always knew these were bullshit. Um, so Sega is being sued for the. Uh, Keymaster game machine. If you've ever been to like a mall, these are popular in malls. Okay, that's where I saw malls. It's a tall machine, and you basically <clears throat> there's a bunch of holes on the back with like prizes attached to them or or written on them. And what you have to do is you have to move. You move like a little bar in the front, and you have to line it up with a keyhole, and you press a button, and it in the the key extends, and if it hits so you the keyhole, like you have to line up laterally. You have to line it up from a distance, and then you press a button, and it starts to put the key in the, the lock. And okay. if it hits the actual keyhole, you get the prize. If it doesn't hit the keyhole, you you don't. So get it's the all prize. just hand-eye coordination, and yes, okay. And this, much like a lot of the ticket game machines that you find at like what you know, people document how to. You know, <clears throat> play the game at Dave and Buster's so you can get the prizes and then sell oh, the stuff online. We've people do about, that, yeah. We've talked about it on There's here. Before. Experts that know what games to play. Uh, total adults who go out yeah. to Dave and okay. Buster's and, and get really into it and then sell I, stuff that I, they buy with tickets. I would love to be a trust fund kid to have that sort of free time just to sell plush to yeah. get extra cash, but okay. Yeah, hip checking kids out of the way of machines because <laughs> it's time for it to. It's hot and it's going to pay off. Doing a Stanley Cup hockey uh, hip check. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so uh, these things are games of skill in quotes. They call them games of skill because technically to win when they're hot, you do need to show some sort of skill. The problem is, is these things are usually rigged to um, accept a certain number of plays before they will even consider a accepting payout. Yeah. a payout or um, a win. So, um, you know, uh, there's like a... Uh, 
for instance, uh, you know, at Dave and Buster's, I remember reading about this like block stacking game. Oh, yeah, yeah, those are, yes, those <clears throat> that would go back and forth, and you, you could tell by it. like the way like one of the blocks would fall early on because of where it like dropped it, like if the machine was ready to pay out, and then you'd be able to stack the blocks. Yeah, those machines. Otherwise, stink. if you hit a button or something, even if you hit it perfect, it, it would was- purposely overshoot it yes i've I've done that i remember that yeah you you, 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 you start to line up the blocks and you go up and i've done it i hit it and it's like oh even a split second it jumps to the side one one column like you fucking assholes this is this is not skill anymore so um apparently this is what keymaster has been doing keymaster is i think the article said something like 700 plays before it'll pay out which is 700 yeah what are you what are you winning for that you generally win a lot the prizes in the the reason why i think these things exist is because the the prizes in them and that's why i always assumed they were rigged the prizes in them were too good to be true you've got like fucking switches and ipads and shit in there if it was really just a matter of skill people would sit there and train themselves someone would train themselves on it and fucking drain it in a go i mean there's no way those things can't be rigged because someone could definitely practice up get good enough and just drain the machine of higher end electronics and resell them. so a player named claw craziness suggested that that players can tell when a machine is not ready to pay out a prize if they notice secrets the problem here is that key master isn't marketed as a game of chance it's portrayed as a simple game of pure skill with a straightforward directive. Lawyers said, lawyers, plural. However, lawyers said that the deception behind the machine that it won't award players until certain settings are met is laid out in the game's manual, which was provided alongside the lawsuit as evidence. In the manual, according to screenshots, the key master machine will not reward a prize he said, until default setting is 700. But each, each machine can be programmed by individual operators. This is a scam. Yeah, it's insane. Um, oh, well, we put the, it in the uh, manual. Yeah, it's not like the manuals are fucking hanging off the machines. Customers don't get to see that. I mean... I feel like people should have critical skill, thinking skills it, enough to realize that this is too good because to be if true. They, because they say, if they say it's a game of chance, like slots, because slots have a determined payout. That's how the casinos make their money. They make the money mostly on slots yeah. for the most part. So like that big jackpot... That progressive jackpot you see in the casino, that will not pay out until they get a certain number of money to cover that, and, and then some, obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. But, like, that's known. That's known. Yeah. You know, it's always a game of it's chance. It's a matter of whether or not you're yeah. going to be the person who's lucky yes. on that day. No, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a set payout amongst the, whatever, the squadron of, of, of uh, slot machines and, and electronic machines that the casino knows how much money they're going to make over, overall. Uh, yeah, this is bad. This is nefarious, and uh, I don't know what what Sega are going to reward you. Like, when the, what's what's going to be the payout to everyone? If you ever if you ever, if you ever played a keymaster machine, we'll send you a keychain, a Sonic keychain. <laughs> what are they, yeah. they going to do though? You know, but this, but I, <laughs> everyone who ever played a keymaster at its height will get an iPad too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first generation ipad bricked we'll, we'll get you a sonic black knight or whatever the hell that game is that people don't like um they did this with, they started doing this with claw machines when i went in my in my uh uh claw cray machine games we called in the jersey shore you knew what machines there's always like four or five different claw machine brands you know roughly about four to five maybe like four and there was always a good one that you knew was purely skill based because it had a stronger claw it was a joystick one you can control every direction. Then they changed, I'd say, the past 10, 12, 13 years where most of them no longer became pure skill. Because if they were pure skill, it wasn't like you got one every time. But if you were good enough, you can get something like every other time if you picked your spots. Then it became, oh, no, no, no. The grip would be, be, be less until you put more money in and it got stronger and stronger. It was bullshit. <laughs> they ruined the, the, the pureness of the claw game. They ruined it. 
So Keymaster, according to this article on Polygon, Keymaster is no longer listed on the Sega Amusements website. Instead, it's been renamed Prize Locker. It's the same design, but it's now 100% skill-based. Sega said on the website, <clears throat> um, there's a conversion kit, which allows an operator of Keymaster to convert the game to a skill-based skill one. <laughs> so funny. Um, because Sega itself has realized that many areas of the world aren't able to benefit from this outstanding category of arcade game due to local or state regulations prohibiting their operation. Random? Which is absolutely them just admitting that it's rigged. My question is, I, I honestly do want to... It's not even, it's not even uh, random. Because no. if it was random, it'd be illegal. It's not random. It's but now it's randomly and rigged, it's illegal. It's, it, 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 it's random as to when your skill is useful. Yeah. It needs both. It's a double double whammy. So, uh, that's crazy. Um, that, I mean, so there is apparently a skill-based version of this. I do wonder how people have not just figured out how to drain these machines. Or if they've just res- resulted in them putting way cheaper prizes well, in them. What's going what's gonna to incentivize an arcade operator to make it a skill-based machine? They're not going to make their money on it. They'll just keep it rigged. Yeah. That's that's a shame. Come on, Sega. I want to like Sega. Then every 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 so often you hear something do something weird like this. It's a big fucking company. The good people on one side of the fucking <clears throat> yeah. It's whatever. What, yeah, what, what do you mean? They don't know they have a rigged machine going on in their arcade division. Someone working on Sonic the Hedgehog 27 is not going to be aware of what the fuck's I going need on with Sega, Prize Locker and Keymaster. I need Sega whistleblowers on this stuff. Thank God Nintendo stays out of this stuff. They don't, have, they don't have to do, you know, wade into uh, the Keymaster or the fucking, what was it, the beer bubble games and stuff like that. Oh, I love that game. That's, you think that's rigged at all? Or is that pure skill? No, that's mechanical. That's usually more mechanical. So Ice cold beer? Ice cold beer is 100% fucking Cause, skill. Because that's more mechanical, right? Yeah. Okay. It's called beers. I didn't awesome. play that one. I think it was, last time I played that was probably like, like a PRG, I think, was the last time I played that. I, I have to play it anytime I see it. I love it. But those, some of those don't have prizes, though, right? Or some prize base or some not? I've never I seen forget. any with prizes. I'm sure there's just, a way to win prizes on them. This is just seeing how good you can but, you I mean, you just yeah. raise the level up or whatever. Every time I've played one, it's just been a place where it's there to see how good you are. They basically have a version of that in the Dwayne Wade uh, show where it's like skill based games. You see that one? The Cube has come out where it's like a team of two people have to do like skill based Games that require like dexterity or like no. it's interesting. Games are really, some of the really games are really tough, and you see people struggling. What is through. this game the, show called? The Cube. It's on TNT. The Cube, huh? It's it's interesting. All it's right. an interesting game because Steph Curry did, has done his uh, mini golf thing the past couple of years, and I guess now NBA players or ex players are doing the game shows. I like cool. I like Dwayne Wayne overall. Um, just an update. Update. There are no Wiener Mobiles in or near California currently. Way, way to end it on a sour note, Ian. Yeah. Sorry. This intro. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Ian. Yeah. Um, last week, I believe it was about Wednesday, there was a, a, a quick an- announcement that, hey, guess what? There is a Steam Deck coming out from, uh, from Valve. Steam Deck. Yeah. And we were like, well, this is interesting. The next day, hey, you could do pre-orders for the Steam Deck. So the Steam Deck was announced uh, and uh, took the internet by storm. And boy, howdy, 
I have things to say on it. Oh, Ian, um, this is why you yes. pay, get paid the big bucks. Steam Deck, big, big news. Uh, big, is, is, it, is it big, big news? <laughs> big, big news. Okay. Big, big news. Big, 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 uh, big, big news. So the Steam Deck is... That's uh, one on the soundboard, that last one. It's a... Um, Essentially, a portable that looks kind of like a Switch uh, that I believe is running on Linux. Okay, okay. it looks like a Switch. Okay, we'll get into that. It does look like a Switch. Looks well, like a, it looks like a handheld. It's like a handheld with a screen. Yeah. Um, everyone just calls it this these days. Yeah. Everyone said it looked like a Game Gear 2, and I don't think it looked like a Game Gear either. But you can say it looked like, like And then people hand- were like, oh, Nintendo's going to sue. And I'm like, oh, they're not going to sue. They, 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 have, sue they, they have nothing to sue over. It's a yeah. handheld. Um, but it is designed to interface with uh, your Steam account and you can install any game that you can get on Steam from my understanding that's in your Steam library you can play on this. Um, It has a dual joystick setup D-pad on one side, four buttons two triggers uh, two behind handle triggers and what I think the uh, interesting uh, I thought it was four buttons behind. Uh, two, I'm sorry, two behind each handle. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's one, four. One, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's a lot of buttons. There's also two trackpads. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. That's, that's the design feature that I think is neat. There's yeah. two trackpads that are one on each side of the unit that um, could easily uh, replace using that side's thumbstick as a uh, camera stick. You would be able to uh, track around with your thumb. You'd also oh, be it's able also to a mouse. Just, it's also a mouse, yeah, yeah. for mouse-operated games. If you want to or play navigating. something like Civ or, um, like I said, I've been playing Neverwinter Nights, you could use that. So it's handy. It's created to basically be usable with the the large, the gamut, the spread. The gamut, The gamut. Of PC games. You can play a smorgasbord of Steam games? Yes. A smorgasbord of Steam games. It has a, I believe it's a 7-inch screen. Yes. 7-inch screen. A second. Comes in three models. Uh, the first model is a 64-gigabyte model, and I believe that's just running off of a memory card. The second model is 256 um, gigabytes, and that is running off of a solid-state drive. And then there's a third model that I believe is 512 gigabytes and would be running uh, also, also a solid state drive. But both of those, and you, also, get, and you get a better screen on the. Uh, you get a, you get a, like an anti glare, yeah. some sort of screen coating um, etching on the glass. Um, the system itself is 400 bucks for the base. For the base, 529 for the middle, 256 gig, and the 649 for the 512 gig anti glare etched glass screen treatment. And um, honestly, I, I find the price point for the lowest model in particular to uh, it was kind of jaw dropping for me when I saw it. I was not expecting that to be any cheaper, really, than the higher price point. I was expecting to see maybe one model available at about six hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, seven hundred. And I was expecting I would not you, have expected it to be the five hundred and twelve gigabyte. Do model. you want to talk about the, the, the actual specs on this? thing? Uh, go for it. I'm bringing it up right now because, like, that's what's most impressive about this. And this is how this is how you market a new console for out there people trying to do your startups with your consoles. You announce it. You announce the price. You announce what you can. You look at. Hey, what can? What does this thing look like with you know in reality? And you say, what is this? So they part with AMD to create Steam Deck's custom APU optimized for handheld gaming. This is an all new, 
All new chip. Zen 2 plus RDNA 2 powerhouse, delivering more than enough power to run the latest AAA games in a very efficient power envelope. Okay. So this is cutting edge stuff. Yeah. On here. This isn't just some old chip they're throwing in there. This isn't just like a, like a, like a desktop, whatever, or laptop chip. Okay. Um, they even, they, they showed the, the, the little uh, image of, of the thumb pad designed for extended place uh, sessions. So, um, that'll be interesting. I like how it looks, the thumb pad. Um, there's going to be an official dock, um, that'll be connected for, connected for external displays, wire networking, USB peripherals and, and power. Um, you can also use a powered USB C hub. If you've got one laying around, that's going to be sold separately. We don't have a price on that, uh, yet. So, um, this should cost uh, more money. This should absolutely cost more money. I don't know much about PC prices, but I know that it's expensive. It's especially expensive now. Um, the fact that this is coming out in a time with a parts and uh, supplies shortage is uh, fairly incredible. Um, when someone, it was like a year ago, I think. Uh, we talked about someone who basically had mocked up, mocked this up. They had done something like this. They had made a portable uh, switch style PC that had controllers that came off the sides. And I think it was figured at the time that it would have been like 800 to 1000 to produce it. Something like that. Something that was so, kind of cutting edge. And- so even if this was to be, um, you know, Mass produced, obviously, you'd see prices come down. Sure. Uh, and they went for something middle of the road. Like I said, I would not have expected the entry point for this to have been any lower than 600. And I think even that would have impressed me. My first look at when I first looked at this, I said, Oh, that's cool. It's going to be way too expensive for me to consider. I'm fine with my laptop. And then they were like, Hey, it's 400. And um, I said, Well, uh, I happen to have about $400 lying around that I had bookmarked for Nintendo to release a Switch Pro, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So um, Steam's getting my money on it. So this is uh, the power behind this. Valve. The Steam Deck can output up to 8K at 60 uh, hertz or 4K at 120 via the USB-C. So that's power. Yeah. I mean, that's like, obviously for the handheld, you don't need that. You don't, because uh, the display on it is a 1280 times 800 resolution. So that's like slightly above 720p, but it's 800p uh, right there. Uh, 1610 aspect ratio, which means it'll be slightly wider than, you know, than your 169, but no, slightly fatter. Yeah, trying to my head do that. But yeah, it, it's about slightly, a 169. Slightly fatter. So it's a 169, you know, display. 720p display, similar to like the Switch, uh, but obviously a lot more powerful uh, here. So, um, it's really interesting. That obviously, they partnered with AMD to come up with this. So, the fact that it says virtually any AAA game in the Steam library, when you hear that, you're like, "Wow, okay." Then this is basically a portable, you know, PC. Like that's that's it. Yeah, and uh, they're not saying like caveats. Well, you can't play this game. No, virtually any game. So they're they're hopefully future proofing this. Obviously, they would have to. I think they're only going to be able to future proof it so much in terms of well, a lot. I think a lot of games even that come out say next year are probably not going to be able to be played on maximum settings, of course. But you're going to be able to run everything as well as you need to. Yeah, in a handheld though, you won't need maximum settings, especially when you're looking. But if you're telling me with the use of this dock, it's the same like with the Switch dock. It pumps up, you know, the power going to that. 
that you can do 8K at 60 frames? Yeah. That's future-proofed. Because, like, 8K? Like, 8K? Are you kidding me? How many people have 8K uh, TVs? You know? Yeah. So this is interesting to me for... Uh, it's interesting to look at... Um, you forgot to mention the most important thing about this. What? A real D-pad! I said I had a real D-pad on the side. With no circle bullshit! I, I mean, I said that. Okay, sorry. It's I okay. read it that. It's sorry, right. I wasn't listening to you. I was trying right. to find the tech specs. I, I apologize, Ian. It's fine. It's okay. What were you saying? It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> Woo! Um, what was I saying? So this has kind of changed how I, I'm looking at this entire generation, at least uh, personally. Uh, one of the big things they announced is that this is not a walled garden uh, system. You will be able to do basically whatever you you want to do with this. It you'll, has a sandbox mode. You will be able VCS. to. You will be able. They're to, still from the VCS. You'll be able to treat it like a a, a normal computer. Um, it's been said that if you want to put uh, Windows on it, you'd be able to put Windows on it. Um, they've already said that you know that you won't be stopped from putting um, other game store services on it. So uh, good old games, Epic Game Store, Game Pass. This is where I'm going, Pat. Uh, this is where I'm going. We're in sync today. Uh, Game Pass is the... So all of this opens up the top possibility uh, for Game Pass on this. And this is huge to me because when I look at modern consoles, when I look at the new generation of consoles and I'm looking at PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series, PlayStation is probably going to have some... Some at some point Japanese exclusives that I'm going to want, uh, probably a fighting game or something. Microsoft, however, has looked fairly appealing to me um, because Game Pass is becoming more appealing. When it comes to AAA games, I don't play a lot of them, or when I do, I buy them, I mess around with them for 10, 15 minutes, I have my good time, and I'm done. I don't feel bad about that necessarily, but it has stopped me from buying a lot of modern AAA games because I just don't feel like buy, paying the $60 price tag to essentially check it out. And there's not a whole mm -hmm. lot of rental and stuff going on right now. So being able to get all of these, this rotating library of current games, you know, a lot of big games are released day and date on um, Game Pass. Like MLB The Show 21 was released uh, on, on launch day on Game Pass. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, when it first came out, was originally released like right away on Game Pass. So Game Pass has been very appealing. If I can get Game Pass on a capable handheld system to go, I no longer need to think about the Xbox at all. Yeah, it, and there's it nothing. sort of shuts them out. Uh, Halo the Infinite, you know, uh, if I if uh, my current attempt at going through the Halo games isn't going swimmingly, um, but if, I mean, say I wanted Halo Infinite, you know, arguably one of the biggest exclusives that's going to be on the Xbox Series, uh, I can now play that via PC on the Steam Deck. Mm -hmm. I it, it has it has and I like a lot of like. I like I like the Game Pass idea, but unfortunately for Microsoft, this release has completely 100% just I, the Xbox may as well not exist to me. But you still be playing Microsoft games, and that's all they care yes, about. Yes, and that's all they care about. So they're still winning. Like I said, I'm not. So I'm, not I'm not trying to necessarily go after Microsoft. This isn't Microsoft an Xbox care, killer, but or it, a Microsoft killer. Well, it's an Xbox killer. It's not necessarily well, a Microsoft killer. I want to. It, it, it's a Microsoft killer to me. 
Well, hey, Xbox no, killer. But, I mean, you still have people that are in the, the Xbox ecosystem that won't get this and transfer. Sure, over. this is for people like me or you that be like, well, I'm not exactly. I'm not. I don't. I don't an need Xbox. to dip my toes remember, back into. Remember it. how I saw about? Okay, I can see getting a Series yeah. S. I'll buy this before a Series S. Sure, this makes more sense. The the portable probably pe- more powerful too, but I, I I can't say that for sure. We don't know. Um, obviously, you, uh, well, I'm looking at it right now. So first of all, the first batch is already gone, but this is like this is the new model where it's like, well, order it now, and we'll give you an estimate of when it's going to ship in the future. So now the earliest you can get it is quarter two, 2022. It says that's if I pre-order it right now, quarter two. You, you're probably in for quarter one. I'm guessing. I got, I got, yeah, I did pre-order one. I got in for quarter one. So you're going to get it first three months, uh, and I'm going to get it if I order it. But I'm 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 debating whether or not to go for the middle one for five twenty nine because it's like well you get the solid state drive and yes you'd probably you'd be able to put in your own solid state drive but for hundred and twenty nine bucks more that solid state drive only costs like I think I think it's like forty or fifty bucks so obviously that's how they get you you're basically paying seventy bucks more for the for the, for just the benefit of having it pre installed that that drive so I'm me, thinking about that the, I think the um, middle I think the middle one does make sense I think the solid state drive will be nice for a lot of people I think it's going to be nice for anyone who but, plays these games who plays modern games on on a PC or is buying this to play modern games the majority of what I play is not going to require I, a lot of space and that will boot faster than everything on the card yes so that's the, the benefit I'm not sure how how quick it's going to boot on the card versus the solid state solid state's super freaking fast and obviously, for all three of these models, you can have external memory cards to for whatever. To right. Add your terabyte card because obviously people are saying 64 gigs is nothing. That's one AAA game is 64 gigs nowadays. But yes, you can. It's one AAA game or yeah. all of the old fucking uh, every indie game that ever games existed. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've been playing <laughs> every good old games and yeah. you know game from the 80s that ever existed, um, and then some. So if I if I just for the hell of it, 512 gigabyte SD card. I want to see what they cost nowadays. They're so cheap. An SD card or a solid state drive? Uh, just an SD card. Like they're like uh, ten bucks for wow. like a SanDisk. I mean, they're not that much money for that's okay. Extreme Pro. That's probably gonna need the fast one. Uh, Extreme uh, Pro 500 Ultra. We'll just say. Oh, I'm sorry. They're more money than I thought. Yeah, okay, they, for, they for the still Ultra. Are. Okay, that's eighty bucks. They're that much for that for yeah. the Ultra. I was gonna say I, I, I look at. I thought the they were like everyone twenty bucks for the Switch. No, they're not. Okay, what's a what's a terabyte? I know they had terabytes. Okay, those are more money than I thought. Okay, when I look at that, it makes more a lot more sense than to go for the unless you have one laying around already. I have some from like, uh, you know, for like video uh, stuff. So that's probably they haven't released. I think yet the the what the minimum requirement though is for the carts. Maybe you don't need the high 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 end one. Yeah, you hope. I don't know because usually the high end ones are for video capture on the fly. You know, yeah, the transfer speeds. So maybe maybe you can get away with the middle ground one, and they'll, they'll be like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks. Because like, what's the switch? The switch one doesn't cost a huge amount of money for the switch one. They're they're right. They're they're the same types of memory cards as these. They do cost quite. They, they, really, they're, they're not super cheap. I thought I paid, paid, crazy I thought I paid twenty twenty five for mine. Was it made on what sale? What size? Two fifty six, maybe. Probably on sale. Okay. That's probably closer to like a fifty dollar memory card. So when you go when you go that route, then yeah, it makes sense for me to go for the middle one with the solid state build. I think it does for a lot of people. This um, this one I get at though. I, I couldn't uh, justify it at this the time. Is, this appeals to me though more as also the P, the PC side. The fact that you tell me this is a PC and likely Valve is selling it at a at a significant loss, and we'll get into why they're doing that um, in, in a bit. Now I'm like, okay, I can bring a laptop out with me somewhere or to a convention. This is going to be more powerful than probably the current laptop we are using. Mm-hmm. This is a five-year-old laptop that's still – we can run stuff on this. We can run AAA games on this. Yeah. Not high. And so I'm bringing something that's small form. Already is a built-in game device. This is not. 
I could buy this, uh, whatever the adapter, small little adapter is to hook up to a TV or whatever, or a monitor. Um, who knows what that's going to cost, but I can't picture that's costing more than a hundred bucks. Hopefully, you know, this is a new PC on top of a game device. And that means that if I'm out somewhere, hell, I could fucking do video editing on this. I could render out videos that this thing probably renders out video just as fast as my desktop or in the neighborhood. We'll just say, with sure. a dedicated regular. So when I hear all that, I'm like, this could be intriguing to a lot of people that probably don't even game or game only a little bit and just do the PC stuff. Sure. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a new form factor. And I, I mean, going forward, I mean, uh, we, we, Alienware was still announcing theirs. They're behind now with the UFO. They announced yeah. that like a year ago. Uh, so we'll see what they come out with. But I can't picture Alienware taking a, a loss on a product because they don't have the software sales to back it up, which will get, you know. So a couple of things I do want to uh, touch on here. Um, one, um, it's not like I, I, I don't, I don't want to phrase this poorly. Uh, Nintendo's not in danger. Nintendo's not going anywhere. Nintendo's not going out of business. But Nintendo is losing sales to this. I, 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 can, I, I can almost guarantee you that I am not the only person who was setting aside money for a Switch Pro, was not super thrilled with the OLED model. Literally, this comes out the this is announced the same day pre-orders for the OLED model go up for sale. I think a lot of people looked and might have been like, "Well, if I already have a Switch, well, I don't need the upgrade. I don't need to upgrade. Oh, there's there's, there's no more. Yeah, I'm and getting oh, a I'm getting a fucking PC, a portable PC, right. handheld um, PC. So yeah, I mean, bad 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 move all around on Nintendo's part. Um, I, well, I, I don't know if they knew this was coming, but obviously, it's, well, that no, was but waiting. it's still idiotic of them to not do a performance upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's dumb. Besides, it, the did, battery, it, did, yeah. it didn't need to be a it didn't need to be a base splitting move. It could have just helped some of the games that stutter like fucking crazy on the thing run smoothly. Um, so Nintendo decided they didn't want to, and now Valve is going to get some of that lunch. Um, yeah. But in terms of, because someone asked us, I'll, we'll get into the, the you know some, the Twitter things. But see, we're like, oh, is this a, a Switch killer? No, it's not a Switch killer because Nintendo still has the software. No, it's absolutely not a Switch killer. But it's definitely going to take a bit. It's definitely going to take any it, wind out of the sails. The OLED. It, yes. No one is. There, it, when, when, when these two things are released for the same price at the same time, smart consumers who have a working Switch are going yes. to look at the if they've already got the money set aside, they're going to look at the Steam Deck and go, "This is way cooler." Mm-hmm. If Nintendo had released a Switch Pro, I would have bought the Switch Pro over this. I would have taken the performance upgrade. They did it, and it's literally a... I could have been convinced to get an OLED if this hadn't come out. I might have, for somewhere down the line, done it, but there's no reason now. So there's definitely Uh, money that Nintendo is losing from that decision. We forgot to say that. The other cool thing is that... Um, for the pre-order, you only wait. You put five bucks down, and then I guess when it's ready to ship, then you pay the rest. Yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah, so if I yeah, I, I should put it on the five bucks. I don't know why I didn't do it right away. You know, especially if it's refundable. I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna get one. I'm just gonna decide what model. I think I'm in. I think I'm in. The other thing I want to touch on that a lot of people have brought up, rightfully so, um, is that Valve does not have the greatest history of um, supporting stuff. But when you look, and that's very true. However, when you look at some of the stuff Valve has put out in the past, and I think the two things that people point to the most are the Steam Box and the Steam Controller. If there was no excitement there, I I thought both of those were kind of silly ideas to begin. With. I forget what the Steam Box even was. The Steam Box was a series uh, of boxes. It was essentially a console PC, 
But okay, it was, that's, that's right. but it was that's after right. every fucking laptop had. It was it was after every laptop had an HDMI port. It was after Steam did uh, big screen mode, which essentially you know changes the UI to look like a console interface okay. on your TV, so it's very easy to use. It was hard. It was it was hard to see what the fuck the real purpose of a Steam box was. Sure. And the Steam controller. I, I don't I don't I, I didn't hear a positive thing about the Steam controller from the moment those pictures were released. It's a weird looking controller. Sure. Um, some people liked it, but a lot of people looked at it and said, "What what is this for?" Um, Steam is, or Valve is not going to put a lot of money behind stuff that does not have enthusiasm or interest in it. It was idiotic of them, I think, to maybe make those moves in the first place. Um, but I, I them not supporting it. I don't think is necessarily like Google where Google just Google just comes up with shit and gets rid of it for no reason, even if people are using it. Sure. Um, This has excitement behind it. This is something that I think is actually going to have an install base. uh, If the pre-orders are anything to show, I don't think valve is magically going to just stop supporting this when it's got people behind it, the steam deck or the steam box and the steam controller didn't exactly have a groundswell of support. Sure. So they are banking, obviously. They say, well, Pat, why are they taking a loss on this? Well, they're banking on the Steam ecosystem because they make 30% on every dollar. They make 30 cents on every dollar that you spend on Steam. 30 cents. They sell these at a loss, and they're going to reap benefits. Just the first week of people having this lying in bed, buying every $2 or $3 weird fucking game that they want to try out on this thing. It doesn't matter that everyone's got a backlog of 400 fucking Steam games. Everyone's going to buy another 15 when they get this. And I'm sure there'll be tons of, when this first hits people, they're going to be tons of sales. And they'll be like, you're going to boot it up. You're going to boot up and be like, oh, that game you wanted for 10 bucks, it's now $4 this week. You know, the people who get this like the week before the winter sale goes live are going to lose a lot of. Yeah, money. That's that's the gambit, and that, that, that they're going to they're going to make up the money the same way that um, Sony and Microsoft uh, usually lose money on their consoles. They make them back in software and accessories. And, and you say, you know, you might say, well, they can use other programs. They can install GOG and stuff. Yes, but I I think the people who like to tinker with things th- tend to think that or, or, or do these extra steps. Um, which I'm all for. They tend to think they're the majority of users. They're not. They're, not. they're, they're like twenty percent, maybe twenty percent. Fifteen. Most people uh, who buy, I think a lot. I don't want to say most, but I do think many, over fifty percent of the people who buy this are never going to do anything with it other than how it comes out of the box. Convenience is a huge thing yes. for people. Power it up. You see your Steam uh, log in there. Play, click your game. You're in. Not like booting into Windows or having to, first of all, wiping it, then installing Windows, and then installing your software. Not that it takes a huge amount of time. You're talking about a couple hours of your day you know, to, to get up and running. But there's some people who don't want to deal with that. I don't want to right. deal with it. I want my ecosystem. I love Steam. Remember how people piss were about Epic Games was trying to challenge you? There are people that are Steam fanboys. I don't get it. It's a marketplace that charges uh, too much you know, for their cut. I don't get it, but there are people that are Steam fanboys that are into it. So. It, it, it. It's just one of those things where people get real picky about having to put something else on their computer because it, I don't know. It so, if, so this this handheld PC, whatever you call it, it protects them from people jumping ship potentially to go to Epic because the people will still go on Epic, but it keeps their fan base insulated. It gives it a shot in the arm. 
it gets people like me that want to buy it. And even though I don't buy a lot of stuff on Steam, I, I am now at least closer to buying something on Steam having this handheld, you know, if I'm not a big shopper before. And, and I have been play, playing and buying a lot of stuff on Steam. And every and night that I'm sitting in front of my laptop doing that, I go, this would be so much better on the couch. As Battle Cat on Twitter tweeted, at Jedi, Jedi YTE said, uh, potentially from his friends, discussing with, with their friends, Valve views Microsoft as an existential threat due to requiring Steam to be an app in the Windows Store and making Valve pay for it. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. And is desperate to get an alt- alternate OS in the hands of users. That, that could be something as well. I think, that they, is a, they I keep, think there's something to be said there. They can keep even more of their money, potentially. I didn't know it was an app. I thought, when I, I, thought I, just, I downloaded it separately when I first got Steam. I did not know that it's a it's it's a different requirement, or maybe it's I don't know, or maybe they're looking at like like if if you have like an Xbox, you get Steam on an Xbox console. Is that I allowed? I don't think so. Okay, I can't imagine why you would be able to. I mean, an Xbox lock that is out? not a computer. Yeah, that doesn't seem like something that would be on there. Huh? I did I did not know that. I had to look into that. Valve, uh, Windows app, Windows app. So yeah, so yeah, I think I'm I think I'm in for one. Because when, when you tell me, especially if, we, if obviously they didn't say, "Hey, everyone, we're 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 we're, uh, we're taking a loss in this," but when it comes out, "Hey, they're taking a loss in it," then it's, to me, it's like, "Oh, this is a good deal. I can't replicate this outside of them taking a." You know what I mean? Yeah. It gets your juices flowing. You know, the same way you know the PS you know the PS3 was like they they lost like a couple hundred dollars on it or whatever when it first came out. No, this, this is very much a thing where the first to market is going to have a significant benefit. I think. Yeah. So that whenever the Alienware, whenever the, their version of this comes out, you know. They're, they're obviously – I can't picture them taking a loss because, again, they don't have the software sales to back it up. Right. They, they, can't. they can't. They can't take a loss. There might be a, like $800 or $900. You know, like, they can't. Steam could do this. Epic could do this. Microsoft could do this. But I don't think anyone currently has the library breadth of Steam to make it uh, successful. Do you think you'll see an Epic one? They have the money. Obviously, they could do it. Obviously, they do. I think that's that remains to be seen. It's will, possible. Will we see? Will we see competitive handheld PCs? I, I, well, that's what I'm, I think. If the, if this takes off, and I think all indications are that it will, I think we are going to start. I mean, it's the first person to make a laptop wasn't the only person to ever make a laptop. I do think we will start to see more handheld PCs. I don't know how quick it better happen. slash gaming devices like yeah. this that are straight up because because you know, obviously like Nvidia Shield is a little bit weaker. It doesn't count. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm in Ian. I, I, I'll put in my, I'll put down my five bucks. Do it. We can, we can, we can finally play the Friday 13th game. Later. I think the support for that is going down. Oh, really? Yeah. See, this is something that I am very excited about though. I will finally have a handheld with access to the steam on that with it. Not Steam, a PC online ecosystem. I will finally be able to access and play games on like you're sitting on the couch or in a hotel room and you're just like the biggest yeah the biggest user base and you can play it yeah be in a, be in a hotel play, on wi-fi playing multiplayer games we can play some civ 2 net on there ian all right uh ian lots of lots of movement in the high end uh retro gaming scene the past week real quick um Free Wienermobile whistle with every purchase from the Oscar Mayer uh, gift shop. Okay, thanks, Ian. I wanted to buy... Well, there's a sweet reason for me knowing this. I was going to buy us both a weenie whistle, and I'm like, why are there no weenie whistles on the website? Because they give them away for free with each order. Okay. But now we can't have weenie whistles. 
Thanks, Ian. I have to restart that segment. You now. don't have to restart the I'm segment. I'm going to restart the segment. All right. <laughs> There's All right. no reason to restart the segment. We have a different YouTube audience. All right, uh, Ian. It's fine. They'll live. This portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by Sheath. And we're talking the holy grail of underwear here. For centuries, millennium, we had the same underwear out there. Everything just thrown together, willy-nilly, things touching and slapping each other, contact with the thigh, not anymore. There is a dual pouch system, right? You put everything in there, but then you separate out the twig and the berries. It's separate out from the maximum. The nose and the spectacles, the cods and the cabbages. The franken beans. Separated so, at last. Separated as intended. You're going to be a lot cooler. You're going to chafe a lot less. You're going to readjust a lot less. Yes. Uh, if you've ever found yourself adjusting or uncomfortable while waiting in line, and all you can do is think about, can I reach down and fix myself? <laughs> you don't ever want to do that in public. Well, with sheath, you are going to have to do that a lot less. It keeps everything nice and in order. Traditional box briefs, they're, they're barbaric. Come on. Come on. We're past that. So if you're active, if you do yoga, if you work out, you do MMA, if you run, this is a game changer. This is a game changer right here. Um, but even if you're just working in a store during the hot summer days, you're going to the flea market, you're walking around, you're going to notice a, di- a difference. You're going to notice it's a little bit more comfortable, a little more cool down there, a little, a little less less sweaty there. Sheath was invented by a U.S. Army soldier who came up with the idea for Sheath during his second tour in Iraq, where it was really hot, obviously. And, uh, you know, he needed uh, the boys to breathe down there. So thank you so much for, for your service and also for creating uh, Sheath right there. So right now, it's a special deal if you want to keep your your boys a little bit more comfortable and cool down there. Go to sheathunderwear.com slash podcast for 20% off your order today. That's S-H-E-A-T-H underwear.com slash podcast, And make sure to use the promo code podcast at checkout or just click the link below. That's sheathunderwear.com slash podcast for 20% off. You're going to thank yourself, trust me, with Sheath Underwear. Ian, uh... There was a lot going on with uh, the high-end uh, game collect- collecting, speculation, investment scene over the past uh, really week and a half. Mm. Um, we had the record-setting, uh, you know, Legend of Zelda go for around nine hundred grand, and then you had the one point five million dollar Super Mario sixty four that made waves. There have been articles written about it, uh, and then literally, you know, four days after uh, this big weekend sale, three days. Um, we had an announcement that Collector's Universe acquired WADA games. Was it even that long after? I thought it was like the day after. It was Wednesday. So okay. it was like two day, two days, three days after the sale, after the big, uh, or at least auction. So Pioneer Grading Service, trusted with ultra-rare items, including record-grading 1.56 million original Super Mario, Super Mario Brothers games. WADA games joins PSA and PCGS. So So they do cards, they do comic books they aren't the biggest comic book ones but we've seen you know stuff graded by them before comic yeah. con they're like the secondary mm-hmm. one it's cgc is the big one who are they're, the they're getting one. into they're getting into it on their own um and now so so you have a basically a buyout of water that happens slowly after this, this is uh, via uh, i think i think business wire and then yahoo was reporting on it um so um we have a quote from uh, Dennis Kahn, president and founder of WADA. We founded WADA to elevate the video game hobby and grow the industry overall by adding legitimacy. I would put that in big quotes myself. Transparency, okay, and professionalism to it. 
Nat and the entire Collectors Universe team have demonstrated a commitment to expertise and are invested, investing in the business of the benef- for the benefit of hobbyists and consumers. With their expertise and resources, WADA will be better able to service its growing demand, fuel the hobby, and provide new and longtime customers with the best experience possible. The acquisition of WADA Games marks the first major categorical expansion beyond trading cards, sports memorabilia, and coins for a collector's universe. It's like the final frontier almost. It's like, you know, uh, some of these companies do, obviously, they do coins, they do comics, they do uh, cards, some, some do toys. I was going to say, some do toys, right? Yeah, there, are, do there, toys. there are toys. Okay, they might do toys, but so there's like three, three major companies do all, that do, does all this stuff. Um, so this is like the new category for now for multiple companies getting into this. That right. Figure, hey, we do comics, like CGC, like we do comics. We're the biggest one that comics in the world, and we do coins. We do this. Why not do video games? We see all this money being thrown at it. Uh, I comment at the time that I don't – obviously, stuff like this is in the works for a while, but you like to time this stuff after the big weekend. The right. timing's not. The timing is not coincidental. No, no, absolutely not. The timing's not. So I'm not saying it's sweet in the deal, but it could have. Even I if guess. that, you know, Mario hadn't gone for the 1.5 million, it was still the first heritage auction. It was the first only video game. There was some. Yes, there it was, was the some... first. It was the first solely video game. They usually paired okay. it with with comic books and other things. Okay. And, yeah, I knew I, yes. it was, there was something big about yeah, it. It was the first solely. You know, they've been doing this now for like two, what two and a half years or so, two years, about, and so that was the first one. It will be continue to be operated as a standalone business with uh, existing leadership. Um, the expansion into the video game industry follows the acquisition of Collector's Universe earlier this year by an, an investor group led by Turner, a longtime collector of sports cards collectibles, as well as D1 Capital Partners and Cohen Private Ventures. So you see what's happening. You have big investment money now buying out the grading companies. Right. They're, they are pumping money now into this, and they see video games as the hottest thing. So obviously you have a lot of... You have a lot of um, People now that are realizing it's the first time that wow, look at these sales go for a lot of money. You have a lot of uh, main, these are mainstream stories. When these million dollar things happen, these are mainstream stories. So yeah. th- th- this, no, is, this is everywhere. This Everyone is knows about this. Draw. They want to draw in as much new money as they can to do this in order to have these businesses sort of be uh, buoy, buoyed up. You know, stay above above water. So. Um, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a sad turning point in terms of now it's totally when you have like investment firms throwing their money behind these things and it's just, well, let's see how, how much money can we make on this as quickly as possible? And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And um, it's a shame that uh, I'll, I'll just say that there are some people that think this is totally organic over the past couple of years. And uh, it's not, in my professional opinion, it's not. Uh, organic. If you want to say it's 20% organic, you want to throw a percentage. The majority of this has not been organic. If you know the players behind the scenes, if you know the relationships they have with each other between the grading companies and heritage auctions, being the same people that then get involved in buying or investing in these games that, that make new stories. We've commented on it before. It's out in the open. And it's sad. Uh, it's sad. I didn't think it would happen this quickly. I thought maybe it would take you know years and years and years. I didn't think it would take like, I don't know, two years. And then, you know, it's all hell breaks loose. And this is where we're at. Um, But now we have to watch this and report on this over the next few years, probably more as business stories and acquisitions and and things being bought up. So, yeah, that's my thoughts here before we get into it. We're going to get into an Ars Technical article that uh, discussed 
why collectors are confused about the $1.5 million sale. But yeah, any thoughts on this acquisition, Ian? No, no, no real thoughts on the acquisition. Um, I'm not surprised. But don't don't tell me that, oh, this is for the betterment of consumers, and it's like... No, I don't think it's for that at all. Although I don't know what what else we would expect them to say. If you're throwing money behind it to get this done quicker that's fine but as we know wada has been problematic before we've we've discussed a few things they don't care they just got acquired so they got a payout so they made it work good right. for them good for them they they they, uh, they they made sure that uh they got their their name out there they, they got the they got the right players behind involved uh, behind the scenes you know they made the deals they, they made sure that they got the good quotes in the articles from kotaku and new york times and this is what it all leads to is this it's not. It's all business. Let's not pretend that you know there's an altruistic reason for doing this. It's, there's not. There's not. There's no. a lot of. There's millions of dollars at stake in this. It, it, That's why you start these companies. You don't start these companies to be like, we want to help out the community. Yeah, you can go get your booth at, at some conventions and and say hi to the retro collectors and try to schmooze me and Ian and get them on, get you on on our side. I don't like, actually uh, feel like we were ever schmoozed. Uh, I was schmoozed. They gave us free stuff. They gave us free stuff. I don't think they expected us to change our opinion on it. They they would have liked it to have been okay. I because if if, some, if people like us come along and, and, and give it I have plenty of problems with 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 it. I don't feel like we were schmoozed. We, well, there was an attempt to get in our good graces. Okay, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it happened. Oh, you didn't get all my emails that I got from people. So, all right. So uh, let's talk about this article from Ars Technica. Before I get into this article, this is uh, an article by Kyle Orland. I actually spoke to Kyle Orland on, on Discord and Twitter saying that, hey, I would be addressing uh, this article because, yeah, you know, I respect your work, obviously. I like Ars Technica in general. And uh, I'm gonna, I, I do have critiques of this article. I want to make sure. It's not a hit piece on him or anyone else involved, but, you know, we, we were, we're adults. We have disagreements on this stuff and, and sort of the angles we're coming from. So collectors are as confused as you are about that 1.56 million Super Mario 64 sale. Old school collectors meet, quote, new money as seal prices inflate 10 times in two years. Oh, no, no. It hasn't been a 10 times inflation. It's been about 100 times inflation or more for some of this stuff. It's been a lot more than that. And that's what's so alarming about it. If you wanted to tell me it was five or 10 times, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of crazy. But no, we're talking 100 times on some of these games or more. When you, when you tell me uh, there's a $30,000 a $30, fucking double dragon a couple of years ago, that game, uh, you know, a few years ago wouldn't probably attract a thousand or two. You know, we're, we're talking a, a big increase in some of this stuff, uh, especially with the Super, the Super Mario Brothers stuff is insane. Uh, you know, was, or the N64 stuff is insane. When you, when you see Final Fantasy going for $360,000, you know, or whatever, was that yeah, three sixty? That wasn't a $36,000 game. That was probably a no. $1,000 game. So we're talking 300 times, you know, not even 100. So, like, that's what I mean. Like, we're talking these rises that you, it's hard for me to calculate in my head. So, um, yeah, it, which is exactly why I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking, degree, like, way above 100 times for some of this stuff. Uh, so at, at, le- at least for the highest known, uh, I think it was graded, uh, Mario 64, which was $38,000 or something like that. I just said $35,000, and I said the Mario went pr- for one5 That's it, That's 42.8 times the cost. Yeah, I was going to say somewhere in the realm of 50 times, but yeah, 42 times. So we're not talking... It's not natural. No. Um, so... What was your takeaway in general from from this article, Ian, before we get into some of the details? Was there a I actually liked the article. I thought it was great. Um, I don't think it necessarily scratched the surface like you would have liked on some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I think 
I think people need to do research on that. I also think as time goes on and more and more stories come out, that will happen. Uh, I think most people were more just surprised by this and didn't ask certain questions. Um, I think this article did a very good job of doing one thing specifically uh, that I really liked. Um, and uh, Kyle did that with the uh, he did that using uh quotes from Chris Kohler and Kelsey Lewin. Um, it really kind of uh, did a very good job of differentiating the old style video game collector from the new style video game collector and why things have well, changed in the years uh, since how Wada changed it uh, with things like the release of the differences between all the black box games um, and things like that. So I, yeah, they, I, they made reasons for segmentation in the market. They, they, they basically yes. put it out there for in so, order to train, to train investors. I will say not collect I, I, I think it is a very good article in that it provided everything was on the up and up it gives an idea into how something like this could go from um you know as low as it was to as high as it was by really focusing on the fact that we're talking about two different types of people here two different types of video game collectors and one of them is relatively new in this world well, that, well i'll take issue with calling them collectors though because they're speculators okay they're investors sure and, and we've seen that we've seen the people that bought the, the hundred thousand dollar sale, which was the, the quote-unquote watershed, the, that was done by three individuals, uh, which were all investors, and one founded Heritage Auctions himself, Jim Halperin. So when you see that, they're not collectors. These are people that saw an opportunity to get in, unquote, their bottom floor, and obviously they had a vested interest, because obviously they're a part of, you know, of, of, of the companies that are involved in selling these games. So when you see that, um, obviously there, there should be alarm bells that go off, but that's I think in me probably scratching the surface of what's been happening behind the scenes here. So that's why I think when I see something like Twilight of the Completionists, I'm like, yeah, that's, but that's a, those are people that actually know about the games that they're collecting. They, they, that's why I say those are collectors and these are not, these aren't people that are just interested in just getting, I want to get the highest grade of something. These are people that actually put the time and the effort into knowing the sort of uh, the scene and knowing what comprises these libraries. You gain knowledge when you buy thousands of games, you're not going to know every single yeah. game, but you naturally gain knowledge being around this stuff. These breed of investors just see a new shiny trinket, and that's it. It's a new bobble for them to make money off of. That's where I sort of take uh, exception calling them collectors. They're collectors insofar as, you know, um, you know, people collect stocks to me. That's how I see it. <laughs> you, you collect stocks, but... You're not getting enjoyment out of it. You don't know much about maybe, you know, that, or, or you're collecting crypto. You're just looking to make money off of the crypto. You're not, I'm not collecting Dogecoin, Ian, if I own some. I mean, I have it. I'm not collecting it. Um, so I, I think what this comes down to is it's just a different perspective of philosophy. And that's even with people that I respect and in, in, in like, like, like Chris and Kelsey, the quotes here. Um, There is a standpoint you can take when you look at this stuff, and you can look at it and be skeptical or take things, you know, at face value. And they fall in between sometimes. But when I see even people at Heritage Auctions have to say, this surprised me, and, these, and even people at Heritage Auctions are, have a vested interest in saying, oh, this is natural, then obviously you know something is up. Yeah. Or at least I think something is up. You know, I've seen the people that um, – some of the people that are, have bought these – because uh, I've been going to gaming conventions. This is all I've been around the block. I've been around the block when it comes to this stuff. I've been at gaming conventions since 2010, retro game conventions. I've gone to, on average, six to seven a year. You throw out last year, it doesn't count. But we'll just say six to seven a year, all the major ones for the most part, the biggest ones. 
and uh, and sealed game games was not a thing amongst ninety nine percent of game collectors um, that I knew about and I saw. And even when I saw sealed game sealed games for sale at conventions before this craziness, you almost never saw something exchanging hands. You never did. But I did see starting two thousand nineteen people buying up all the sealed games they could find and high-end, let's say, black box games with the intent of slabbing them. And that was sure. something new. And those were people that were new players to the game. And these, and these are people that are involved in, we'll just say, these high-end games that make news. They are involved uh, potentially you know, with people that are involved with WADA. And when you see that, that's when you have to scratch your head and be like, is there something else going on here? Are there conflicts of interest? Is everything above the board? And that's where I, I wish when these articles are done, the same way I wish uh, on the Kotaku article a couple years ago, that you talk to someone that may have an alternative perspective. Be like, okay, maybe everything isn't as what it appears. Maybe this isn't just, wow, people are excited about this and there's two bidders bidding something up to $1.5 Because the first thing I would say was, why didn't they do that before this? Why didn't they get these games beforehand? Why, sure. are, why, are, they, why did, are they putting in this huge amount of money when a couple of years ago or even a year ago or even on eBay a few months ago, we saw the sealed one go for sixteen grand? that looked like a beautiful copy? Yeah. Why is it happening now? now? It's all about the timing for me when I see this stuff. Why is it happening all on the weekend where it's the, the first time we're doing just a, an exclusive, uh, you know, uh, game auction for the first time. So you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but uh, there's too many weird factors going on for for this to be all just oh it's just all naturally happening. It's just people excited about this, you know. There's been there's been manipulation in every single type of of market. Oh no, I, I feel like Comic there's books, definitely some sort of manipulation. Coins. I don't think it's just excitement. Baseball cards. Every single commodities market they try to deal with stocks. Every commodities market has manipulation involved. Just because you like video games or video games are fun does not make it immune to the same sort of human behavior as comic books, as baseball, as Pokemon cards, as magic cards. Everything we love is manipulated to some degree. There's a lot of money at stake, and if people know they can make money, ethics be damned, sometimes laws be damned, they're going to try and do it. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and as not say some of the points made are true about, you know, maybe there's only going to be five or ten, you know, 9.8s that come out. For that, I'm going to say uh, I would not speculate on such a low number until we see in the months ahead what comes out for sale. Uh, I think at the auction, I said there's only two of these that were water graded, but VGA has been around for 10 years. They've graded Super Mario 64s, I'm sure. Some of those are going to be torn apart. I guarantee you would try to be regraded. Right, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, I, I, and I think we're going to see a lot of them uh, go to uh, CGC. Oh, if, if, if CGC comes up instead of WADA, they could do that as well, the CGC company? We already said CGC is getting into video game grading. Oh, sure. Well, I, think, I think a lot of people are going to send some to CGC as well. Okay, I'm just saying for now, though, they're going to rip apart their VGA oh, ones sure. and get them regraded yeah. through WADA because VGA games are not on heritage right. options. Yeah. So that's going to happen. Every single person that now has a sealed one laying in the, around their collection, the person that bought theirs from Luna Video Games a few years ago, they're going to get theirs graded. Someone who has a shipping box laying around, they're going to pull theirs out. Because remember, it's not like you can't find them. Remember, it was like a 2 out of 6 chance you could get a 9.8. A nine sixty four uh, game out of a shipping box. It's not like it's one out of a hundred. Right. It's like a it's like a twenty five percent or thirty percent chance. So like, 
More are going to come out. Uh, yeah, in terms of the, any specific quotes, anything that you wanted that you liked or didn't like in here? No, like I said, I, I the, the my main takeaway from the article, and I understand some of your issues with it, but my main takeaway with, from the article was that it's a good way for people new to this story and new to the concept to understand what differentiates the different types of people in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um. For the new for these new collectors from the article, hoarding unheralded games just because they are they're, they're rare isn't really the point. Color summarized the new collector's mentality: you shouldn't try to get this big junky set of all these random games that nobody cares about because nobody cares about them outside of the small circle. But people do care about Mario and Zelda. So with Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda, they're easy to find games, but they're not easy to find sealed. So the the, the issue with that though is that now we're seeing any sealed game go for a lot of money that's being speculated on any shitty nes game sealed is going for a thousand or two or three or four right. any weird ps2 game that comes up on there i'm like is going for a lot no, of money I, that's a good yeah. point i, I think it's, and they're, they're they're speculating anything's gonna go up it started i think by you know this idea of this the prices you know explaining the prices started with well these are the important games and i get it but you're right it it it, it would be one thing if it was just sticking to those games yeah, it's there, not if there were some games that not. okay this sealed nes game went for only 300 dollars, i'd be like okay that makes sense or 400 dollars. but now you can't find a cheap one anymore you just can't you can't and in the past with sealed nes games i own some there were always ones that were cheaper so it's a third-party game, meaning like you're going to get like I don't know, a space shuttle project or even a Kirby's Adventure, the Canadian version. You know, you spend a hundred bucks on it, you find it for a hundred bucks. Right. If I slab that Kirby and put that up on Heritage Auctions, it ain't going for a hundred or two hundred dollars. It's going for four figures, right? Most likely, if it's, if it's a higher, you know, grade. I'm sure mine's like a nine point four or whatever the hell it is. So that's that's where I'm like, that's where I know we're not talking about collectors anymore. And oh no, it's not like you can get a full NES sealed set. But, you know, people are buying these. We're going to store them away for years and years. And hopefully, you know, and hopefully five years from now, that $30,000 Double Dragon is now worth seventy. They They're going to think that that's going to happen. That's But that's what they're banking on. See, that's where I really don't think you're ever going to. Much like the NFT thing, people are coming into this so hot that I think it's unreasonable to expect any of these these prices there's, to stay. Because there's no track record. There's right. no like, okay, we see historically Double Dragon go from over five years from 500 to one to two. There's been no historical basis for any of this stuff. That's what's so alarming and why, as, as someone uh, like Sean Sermick would say, it takes decades for the market to be established. For, we're, we are two years into this. Uh, with, with the sealed games, you know, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find like, what is, what is like a cheap game that just went over this past weekend that like would shock me, but like the $30,000, the three, the $360, the $360,000 final fantasy shocked me. Yes. That's to, shocked to my core. Me too. Shocked me to my core. When I, when I see something like that, um, battle toads for $38,000 shocks me. That's one that just went. Yeah. That, and it's not a 9.8. It's a 9.4, you know, $38,000 for a Torment Fighter shocks me. That's not a game that people bring up in the pantheon of video games. Tur- Turtles Torment Fighters. Um, so when you start seeing some of this stuff, like, like it doesn't line up in my head at all. $28,000 for Karnov is shocking. Yeah, that's why no, I mean. It like, is. So, that's th- so, this, so when I say That's like, the stuff that, that can't that, maintain itself. It, it, that's when I say, well, this is, these are speculators. They're not, they're not collectors. Sure. Because if you wanted that Karnov, you should have bought it last year for like you know, $500 or $600, whatever, whatever it would have cost a couple sure. years ago. Like, why are you getting in now? Well, you got FOMO. 
you have news stories and you think that, wow, if I buy, there's another silly one for an example. There's tons of silly ones. Uh, this is a silly one because this isn't even this is not even the first one. Pinball for twenty thousand mid production isn't even an original release. Twenty thousand for pinball. Pinball. I love pinball. We love the penguins. That's not a game important in the pantheon of video games. No black box <laughs> pinball. Um, that's when it gets weird. That's when it gets weird. It's almost like at that point, fifteen thousand for Roger Rabbit. So yeah, that, so that's that. Yeah, that's that's silly. So when you start saying that, you know, no, these are people that are just they're they're just shotgunning it, and then if I if I hit it big on you know sixty percent of these, then I'm good, or even half if they just blow up. If I lose money in the rest, who cares? But it's it always comes down to how long can you keep these high prices going, especially when we, there's you know more of these games out there. You want, you want to spend uh, ten ten point eight thousand on Bart versus the World? No, nope. no, I do not. You think someone really loves Bart vs. the World enough they want to recapture nostalgia of that by having it sealed? No, they're going to hope for crossover Simpsons appeal. Or, or, or how about the crossover appeal of Daydream and Davey for $10,000? <laughs> or, or Star Voyager for $10,000? That was the one I keyed in there last year. I said it went for like 3000 I said how silly it was for fucking Star Voyager. Voyager, yes. And now $10,000? So there you go. I really, I, I would love to know if I could get like a, a the Venn diagram of people that played these games versus are spending five figures on these games now like wh- how much do they li- line up did that person really love star voyager enough to spend ten thousand dollars on star voyager i don't think anyone loves star voyager enough to spend i think it's a d- decent star game voyager, it's, uh, okay but do you love uh spy versus spy enough to spend 8100 on a sealed copy no so so there you go so there's disagreements i have with, with this article I, I don't think it came from a bad place um but I think there's uh, it's going to be revealed probably in the coming weeks, months, about other things that have been happening behind the scenes with some of these players. That's, sure, I, I think there's a lot's going to come out. There's if this was if this was natural, um, it would not have snowballed like this this quickly. It would have taken five or ten. I would say ten years, ten years uh, to get to a, a million dollar game if it was natural. Not two, not two and a half years. It would take like ten years because even baseball cards took decades. Oh to sure. Get Comic books took decades to get to a million dollars, not two years, not two and a half years. And again, this is not regular video game collecting; it's something else. Because video game collecting, you say, has been around since the eighties, been decades, but not this. All right, anything else to add? Or are we cool? We're good. Uh, Ian, we got a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash CU Podcast. Do it. Uh, you get <laughs> do it. You get access to weekly do writings. Uh, the full video podcast and these poll topics that we cover second place oh this one got hit hard it got almost one last week arcade games you could not beat as a child that others could that's 20 percent in the first place games that work better on a handheld versus console at 72 percent. so you know what games work better on a handheld versus console so um i think you're mr game boy you're mr but the reason i like portables so much is because i think uh, there's a lot of games that are better um, in handheld modes. I want to learn you. You just don't have an answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of do. Uh, my number one go-to, and I think this is probably going to be the one that's going to, uh, you know, divide people. Um, oh, but controversy. I, I, uh, I think RPGs are are perfect for handhelds. Um, I love really? being able to. Yeah, I love being able to pick up an RPG. Hand. I should put it this way. R, there's there's RPGs are great for handhelds. 
provided that they're designed for that experience. And by that, I mean being able to save anywhere. Um, but I like to use them like a book. If I'm sitting around at night, I will play an RPG and get some storyline out. I like to play um, grindy RPGs on plane flights, uh, on the train when I'm going to work. Um, a couple minutes train. of leveling here or there, uh, you know, at work or when I'm getting stuff done around the house. I really like playing RPGs, um, especially ones like Pokemon. Dragon Quest IX uh, was fantastic for it. Um, the Etrian Odyssey games were perfect for handhelds. Um, I really, really like those titles in uh, a portable handheld form factor. Um, other games that I think would be opposite, complete opposite side, I think arcade-type games uh, fit wonderfully um, on a handheld. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, games that are styled like arcade, but actual old arcade ports too. Single screen, score attack, pick up and play type of stuff is precisely why I love the Game Boy so much. And it's why I pick it up. Games like Cat Trap, um, Burger Time. Um, you and your Burger Time. Burger Time Classic is, or uh, Burger Time Deluxe is great on there. Uh, Lock and Chase, Pac-Man. I mean, any of those games are perfect for a, a, a portable system. Um, so those would be the ones that I would choose. Ones that I don't think work particularly great on a portable system. Um, I have definitely played good fighting games on a portable system. Oh, God. But uh, they, based, just based on the fact that they are, tend to be the joy that I get out of fighting games comes from playing them with someone else. Sure. And by nature of the fact that a handheld is not always conducive to that. Um, you didn't link up to play Mortal Kombat on Game Boy? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fun a- when you actually do link up to play like a Neo Geo Pocket Color fighting game or something like that. It's a really good time. Um, playing something like Smash Brothers at a convention with a bunch of people is a really good time. But it's not, it's not, it's not the natural state for fighting games. Do you do you enjoy? You think platformers work better on it? On uh, or can, I think platformers work great on both, but but not better. Not, yeah, I don't think they're necessarily better. I don't think there's any any true benefit to that. Um, my my one Ian, that I'm surprised you didn't say. I I, I had an answer ready to go. Puzzle games. Mm, puzzle games are good. Yeah, give give Pat a little bit of credit. So puzzle games, obviously Tetris was big, on 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 it. Puzzle games, you don't need necessarily the experience of, of sitting on a couch with a big screen in front of you. To no, play not at all. You can, you're good with a little screen in front of you, or in this case, monochrome screen, to play something like Tetris or Dr. Mario. Those are the two probably what, biggest uh, ones that were on the original Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. you make a good point. I mean, Tetris was what... Columns on the Game Gear. Columns came with the Game Gear originally. Uh, what, didn't it? Uh, that I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, what was on the Game Gear? So there's something about puzzle games, and I think this is psychological maybe, where your attention is so focused and the screen's so close to you, maybe there's something to that where you're more engaged, you feel more connected to it, or maybe maybe it's bullshitting, but I think there's something to that, like you're holding the puzzle in your hand. It's instant reaction. Uh, There's something to that in my my eyes versus on a screen. Maybe it's like distant. There's There's some weird like barrier. Mm, subconscious sure. barrier i don't know you can zone out and play puzzle games easy on a handheld is that what it is too you think probably you can do that it's like you're part of the machine you're contr- like you know like yeah. pinball you're controlling it directly yeah it's all in one so i think the puzzle game genre is one that i, I think is an interesting one uh there because even as a kid like friends would have tetris on the nes and i just uh, nah. but on but on a game boy it's like it's like it's different on a game boy and i can't explain it 
maybe it was a, maybe it was at the time it was kind of newer. But then again, the same thing with the Tiger LCDs. It, like you felt more. Yeah, you got. You're right. You got like in a zone. Even playing crappy Ninja Gaiden and Tiger LCD, I got in a zone. Yeah, playing it. Maybe there's something to that. So that's that's my answer there. Um, are there? How about we go? We, we go. Are there ones that are worse? We'll extend this out a little bit. What you said, fighting games is one. I have played lot. I think fighting games would be probably my go-to. I've played lots of good portable fighting games, but I, I I don't think that that's a genre that naturally does best with portables. I'm going to say, at least from the Game Boy, platformers are worse than a handheld. Maybe it was because because the, the screens were small, but playing that like some of those platforms were miserable. Or actually, platforms like the like the first Ninja Turtles game, the Spider Man game, like those. I first, love the first Ninja Turtles um, game. There wasn't enough uh, screen um, viewing versus a TV. Obviously, now with the Switch, it's the same thing. You know, but I'm talking about maybe historically, platformers weren't as good. I saw someone bring up to you the Castlevania game. God, I fucking hate that game. Did you like the first one? The first one. The second one's great, but the first, first one was the first one just good. clunky. I, I, I very clunky. Okay. Very very slow. Almost no time on the timer, and the collision detection is miserable. So you, you can't blame the, the, it being on a handheld entirely. It's more just it wasn't programmed. It wasn't optimized sure. yet or whatever. That was like the first year or so of game. It was the first like year or so that came out. Yeah. Um. Racing games. Racing games. That's a good one. Again, I have played some that I've enjoyed, but even when you just think about the specs on a uh, handheld system, we're not that far along into handhelds that could do good racing games on them. Uh, PSP would probably be the first one. You know, you got some okay ones on the Nintendo DS, but even those are a little rough. Um, we're talking about just processing. You need the processing power. To, yeah, to, I mean, and of course, there smooth. were some good 16-bit and 30, you know, 16-bit racing games. Um, but I think overall, racing games really kind of came into their own and really started when you got to the 3D era or you had higher processing power and you didn't really have that with. With, so um, that's the opposite portables. of the puzzle one. Like you need the TV, you want the big console. Yeah, you, you want to be more immersed. You don't want. It's kind of hard to go like mm, when you're playing on a yeah. handheld. That's a good point, Ian. It's a very good point. Is that, is that, uh, is that it? Or we, that's we, it. These have been shorter Q and A topics. We've been doing. It's fine because they've been longer podcasts. We're at an what? hour forty one. One thirty eight. We're at right now. What time are you working on right now? <laughs> I, just, I assumed we started at eleven. All right, Ian, we got uh, we got voicemails, don't we? We do. We you go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast and you can leave us a comment, a question. You you can flatter us. You can say that I prefer you didn't. Ian's skin is looking glowing today. I absolutely prefer you did not my hair's looking to flatter me. My hair's looking looking fluttery. Fluttery? Fluttery hair? All right, here's the first one. Hey guys, this is Duffy from Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. I'm curious as to what your favorite LucasArts or LucasFilm game is of all time. Thank you. Did we do this one before? Yeah. This might be the wrong Duffy. Is there, is there more than one Duffy? Yeah, we already did that. I, There's more than one Duffy. I'm sorry, we answered that one before. I randomly said uh, full throttle. So, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry, Duffy number one. This is Duffy number two. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Duffy from Louisville, Kentucky. Same I'm Duffy. sick of all these softball questions. How oh. old were you when you lost your virginities and describe the experience? Thanks, guys. Wait a second, Duffy. How did you go from asking <laughs> us about LucasArts game to getting, trying to get personal? And your voice had a different as well uh, there. Unless there's two Duffies in Louisville. Is there two Duffies in Louisville? No, it's the Kentucky. exact same voice. It sounded a little different. 
No, that you was want, the you exact about, same. Do you want to talk about losing your virginity? I absolutely don't. I, 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 it's, I not, it's not embarrassing. It's just none of your no. Business. It's not. I it's just, just I, I will come out on the record. I find talking about sex to be one of the least fucking interesting things in the world. There's just no reason. It, there's, for it. It's, it, it's absolutely mind-numbingly it, boring because people either do it to brag or to, to be self-deprecating. It's like fuck off with that. Not fuck off you, Duffy, but Duffy, come on, come on, Duffy. Let's see if you can rebound on the third question in the future. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is the podcast memes from Los Angeles. Oh, hi. And my question is, with all of the schemes that GameStop has come up with over the last couple of years to keep their heads above water, the one that seems the most reasonable from sort of like an outside perspective, having never really worked in that kind of retail my whole life, is the turning half the store into Spencer Gifts with the T-shirts and the pop vinyls. Like, that doesn't seem like a bad idea, but it seems like a lot of people refer to it as a bad or a wasted idea and i was just wondering why that is why is that ian um it tends to show a business in panic that is my main reason desperation a little bit um it's why people get if you've always sold cards at your at your video game shop i'll bring this all around if you've always sold cards at your video game shop that's one thing if you've always brought in certain things but when you see a business that used to be known entirely for selling video games and suddenly they move half the video games out of their store and put t-shirts and pops and toys and other shit that no longer has really anything to do with video games or it's just tangentially related to video games people start to look at that as a desperation move why why did you do that why did you get rid of half of what your store was is there a way that's that's a bad idea is there a way to integrate it slowly that would be more natural I, I, I think there probably is, but I think like if, like if you sold pops, you would sell pops at your store. Like you, I mean, they would they would move after a while, wouldn't they? But I would never want to sell pops at the store. The only thing I've ever thought about, perhaps the only thing that I've ever think I, I've ever thought mm, kind of makes sense, if you know about it, is like I know some video game stores that sell uh, Pokemon TCG and um, Magic okay. TCG. And the reason why is anyone can buy those boxes. You don't make a lot of money on them, but it's something that people pick up. Oh, you don't? You don't no, make you, don't, you make very, very little money on that, then people TCGs. Just, right, what I hear people do with that, they, they'll just buy a ton of the boxes and hold on for four or five years until the price goes up and they'll sell them. Sure, they can do, that, do that too. But uh, the markup is like, honestly, I think it's maybe like if, if, you, if you buy a box of Pokemon TCG and sell it at MSRP. I think you make like thirty dollars off of a hundred and ten dollar box. Like it's not, it's not it's good. something, but it's like yeah. Oh, but it's, okay, that you, was, you might make like a buck off. At of least that's not a lot of space you put on the counter, right? You know? So that's something that people could do. I, I'm sure there is a way to integrate it, but I, I'm just saying, even, even if you are doing it for all the right reasons and you just want to offer more stuff and your business isn't in danger, that sort of sudden shift is going to make people question. Whoa! What, what's with this overnight change? Have you seen that in one of the stores you used to like frequent that they, all of a sudden they changed their stock into something? Like no, that? not really. I just I I've heard of that happening. Yeah, with game stores, but like game stores do. I, I've never well, known well, one personally. Pre-pandemic, that. again, pre-pandemic, but lots of game stores have done what GameStop has done to try to increase sales. Pre-pandemic, obviously, there's a shot in the arm for the retro game stores. Whoever that got through the pandemic, with hopefully with PPP and other stuff, that they they had to shift. I knew a couple of stores that yeah, we had to sell other stuff. We yeah, had to diversify because retro games was not enough right. to stay in business. All right, uh, next. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Pat from Boston again. This question's for Pat. Huh? As you've been playing through the N64 games for your certain guidebook, 
are there any titles that you assumed were going to be garbage, but it turns out they're shockingly good or surprisingly fun without giving away stars? Thanks. Oh, now I got to open up the N64 uh, uh, spreadsheet worksheet that me and the two editors use. You don't know off the top of your head if a game surprised well, you? No, no, yeah, the one did, but I want to find ones that I, I edited because I only I've only played so far about twenty, and reviewed about twenty. Oh, I thought he was talking about the ones you've played. Yeah, I've only I've only done twenty for the book right. so far, but I've edited a lot more than that. Okay. I've edited about sixty to eighty for the book, so I want to I want to look for ones. So for the ones that I did specifically, uh, Sid and Punishment was really good, but I heard that was a good game, but that that exceeded, yes. that exceeded my expectations. It's a good game, and it's English friendly. They did the they did the voices of the characters in English. I don't know why, but maybe they figured it was going to come out in the U.S. But but I'm surprised it didn't come out in the U.S. So Sin and Punishment was better than I thought. Very challenging, very cool game. Lots of cool, uh, you know, like rail shooting stuff. Besides the you know the movement stuff, it's a rail shooter. Um, so that one was good. Um, let's see on my list here that I wasn't surprised. Center Court Tennis was in a, was a delight by Hudson Soft Tennis Game. It was a delight. Virtual Chess 64, I'm very picky when it comes to my chess simulators, because obviously I have a little bit of a chess background, not a big one. Virtual Chess 64 did a great job. Uh, don't play the shitty 3D fucking version, because it, you can you can shut them off, though, where it's battle chess. is awful. But there's so many good tutorials in Virtual Chess. You probably could be a novice and start from nothing and learn from that game. There's a lot of cool tutorials on that. Yeah, uh, on that one. You telling me I'll about surprise. that sounded cool, like how you uh, could do multiple iterations of boards, so yeah, you, you could kind of branch off. You can play different boards, or yeah. or four different players could play four different games at the same time. So that was a good one. And then uh, Paperboy was. I'll, I'll only give it three stars. There's a giveaway, but Paperboy I enjoyed uh, more than I thought I would. I thought it'd be total trash, but no, there was some enjoyment to Paperboy. It was clever. It was. It was. It, it got the tone of Paperboy right. Um, so as much as you can say that it was referential to the original arcade game, uh, the Paperboy 64, even in 3D, that surprised me. Um, then the biggest one was Asteroids Hyper 64. That really impressed me how well that they, they really wrung as much as I could out of a single screen Asteroids game with that. That was really impressive to me. You love Asteroids. So. Yeah, but like you figure, oh, it's just a cash. And no, they really, with the power ups and the bosses, like they did as much as they could. With that, there was some there's like there's some strategy involved in some of those stages. Again, single screen. So, all right, thanks for that uh, question there. And what is the next one on my list? Hi, Ian and Pat. Uh, this is Christine from Staten Island. Staten I want Island. To thank you guys for the great podcast you do. You're welcome. So, my question is about some recommendations on video games. Okay. Um, I have very slow reflexes. And so, so I find it. a lot of retro games just really impossibly difficult. I uh, get Frank's excitement in the old uh, punk video where he beat the Mario. I have a lot of trouble with Super Mario Brothers too. Um, so for people like me uh, with you know, dexterity or manual speed impairments, can you really suggest any retro games that might work? You know, that might be fun other than RPGs. Um, any techniques or tricks? Mm. Before I get into that, I want you to—I want you all to recognize this and how I battled for your people online who, when I called it Mario. People from the East Coast that actually knew people that named themselves Mario called it Mario because no one from New York and New Jersey that was named Mario called themselves Mario that I knew. It was always Mario. That's just a thing. They want to maybe uh, Englishize the word or Americanize the word, but that's just how it worked for Mario's. Sorry, go on. 
Um, so I was going to say roguelikes, but uh, she asked no RPGs, which is, makes sense because RPGs would generally be the easy the easy answer. Um, so this one still requires some dexterity, but I would, uh, but but not as much. Um, it it requires more. Uh, requires more foresight than anything more more planning ahead um try the low low games okay yeah try the low low games there's, there's, that, some, that, there's that, a little twitchiness right a little there's bit. a little twitchiness to them but it, it's still more like it's not like ninja gaiden you have to figure stuff out but you have to plan ahead and if you plan uh, ahead it gets less and less twitchy um so i think the low low games something like low low something like kickle cubicle where there's action involved but a slower paced play style is just kind of the name of the game yeah it's been three months since we mentioned kickle cubicle so we were overdue to mention kickle cubicle. i will always mention it it's a great game a cute little ice ice boy um i'm gonna go a little bit different since i don't think you you had to just be consoles based uh how about turn-based strategy games you get to think. You don't. You don't. You know what I mean. You can. Um, you don't need reflexes at all. You just gotta click. Okay, build my uh, granary now. Even build some real time strategy games would probably be. I would think would be okay. It depends on what kind of reflexes. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah, I mean, yeah. Especially early ones. I mean, Warcraft. Warcraft. You don't need to be really you, you twitchy. You have to be fast, but you have. You, yeah. You got You got to cue the stuff up in your yeah, head. Yeah, but you don't it, have to it has be twitchy. To be, you don't have to be too specific. Pixel perfect. You right, just click exactly. on. Click on your unit. Click your orc. Click on your, your peon to, to yeah no, that's true no any strategy game then for the most yeah, part yeah I think any strategy game would you're not going to live or work. die on the twitchiness of that like a first person shooter you would right. maybe at high high levels but yeah we're not comp- we're not Star- we're not doing that. we're not doing Starcraft right. in, in Korea in a, in a stadium uh, okay what's the next one here hey guys it's Jacob from AZ again going to head straight into the question a while ago Matt McMuscles admitted during his video playing Castlevania Resurrection that he was in talks with other content creators including Norm the gaming historian to potentially buy the demo disc when it went on eBay before it was taken down and eventually dumped by the owner as far as we know the point I'm getting here is when a prototype or demo becomes available for an astronomical amount and it hasn't been dumped yet will there come a time when content creators do come together and buy it from greedy sellers and collectors i mean it'd be a better use of our time than inflating the prices of trading cards of pocket monsters i mean come on why don't we do something for the good of gaming preservation thank you for the airtime come on really really professional uh question and, and and great cadence there jacob yes good stuff um I, I think that may we may get to that point but we already have people doing that and they're the preservationists anytime something like this happens i guarantee you a bunch of phone calls are made to us I can think of a few people who are probably almost always te- CC'd in any conversation like this, where oh. people are getting together and pooling their money to uh, buy stuff to preserve it. And well, it's been, it, you, we, we've, I, I can't think of anything in specific, but we've actually talked about uh, specific examples of this happening before, where people will pool money together, you know, so someone no. can win an auction in Japan. Well, what we see them, we saw it in person at PRG with Steve in the, in the Sim City. And well, the Sim City, yeah, the Sim City I, I, thing happened. Offered, that was in real time. I offered to put in money to help. I, I don't have the, t- the the pockets that Steve has, deep pockets, but I offered to put in money to help because there was a risk that both of those, both remember, remember that seller had two of them, and both yes. were potentially going to be sold off to one one asshole was going to lock them away forever. So we at least got one dumped. Thank God uh, there. So, um, no, it's happened. Like, yeah, it's, 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 here's the thing. Now that it's more out in the open, this isn't like five, six years ago where, where people didn't care as much about preservation. There wasn't all these stories happening every other week. Now it's more and more in, in people's uh, you know, field of vision 
that you I think you have you could pull resources more easily between influencers and collectors but like you could. Yeah, I think you're going to start to find um but yeah. you don't negotiate with terrorists and that's and that less and less of these big sales are are happening though because of that. Was it the backlash of this Castlevania thing? It was a huge backlash. Yeah, there was for that. You're right. Hey, Pat and Ian, uh, Brent from Whippany, New Jersey. Whippany! Uh, Patrick, is it an 80s ass if you see vintage 80s jeans such as Jordash or Sergio Valente on a present-day ass? I was driving, and I said, oh, 80s ass, and my wife mm. wasn't so sure. So what's your take? Are you good? Okay, thanks. Okay, so I'm the 80s ass expert since we, we look at them at the, at, on the, Twitches, the Twitch uh, streams. Mm-hmm. We have the 80s ass uh, emoji, and it's equal opportunity. So it's men and women. Let's make that clear. And no, and this is why. The 80s ass isn't just what you're wearing. It's the whole feel of the 80s. And it's also, unfortunately, you know, in the 80s, uh, there was not as much curvature in the 80s. So that all goes into the 80s ass there. But thank you, Brett. That's a very important question you asked. Twitch.tv slash country code for more 80s asses every Wednesday. Uh, there, thank you so much. Any, any, you have any thoughts on the 80s ass, Ian? None. In particular, we talked about the, like, the Jordash commercials were ridiculous. The early 80s, Jordash! You know, like the, like the, 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 we're still in the early 80s, like 81. We're still like in the disco, how everything's shot and it looks terrible and sparkling lights and seeing everything is 80- sparkly and fuzzy. And- yes. Yeah. And that's where the 80s ass thing came from because you had uh, all, all, all the Jordash uh, jeans stuff and asses flashing in your face. So that's, where, that's where it came from. Uh, and of course, then you went by the late eighties. You have the awful fucking Levi commercials where they're trying to be too fucking cool, and it's in black and white on the yeah. street. And um, those were are awful. But the early eighties. Uh, plus, there was a lot of like, yeah, there was a lot of like um, the one-off designer uh, jeans stuff in the early eighties. You didn't realize how many there were. Like, holy shit, there were a lot of these. Like trying to get it must have been like a big craze in the early eighties for like designer import jeans. Then we we're too young to to realize. I think it was the first time jeans really became designer. You think so? Yeah. Early 80s, like late 70s, early 80s? Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Jason from Texas. Let's have a couple quick questions for you both. Do you think Microsoft will ever come out with their own version of a Xbox mini classic system, just like the Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo, and PS1 uh, classic mini? Do you think so, Ian? Uh, no. Not in their best interest. No, I don't think so, Um, especially because they don't really need to. Their whole focus has been backwards compatibility. Anything that they would put on that mini system is probably something that they'd just be like, hey, we can make it backwards compatible and you can pay us for it again. Yeah, or we'll just remaster it and we'll put it in a set and it's 60 bucks. Yeah, they're not you know. they're not an old they're they're not like an old video game company with like a deep history to pull sure. from. They 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 I, I know that they're fucking 21 years or 20 years old now, but it's 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 different. It's yeah, they have a different philosophy. They're not Nintendo. You know, they're they're not like that. Was there a second part to this? Which should be kind of cool if they did. And second question is, what did you both think of the new the E3 announcement of Microsoft unveiling their Xbox mini refrigerator system. I think the mini fridge was cool. I just cool they're doing that. They obviously partnered with someone to help. It's a neat, weird, stupid it's, it's, thing. It's yeah. cool. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Josh. Long time listener, long time caller. So, about maybe two podcasts ago, you guys were talking about that Action Park um, documentary on HBO. And I just watched like six, it, and it's seven. pretty fascinating. It's kind of fucked up what went on at the park. <laughs> but I was just wondering if you guys could maybe every show kind of talk about some kind of movie that you saw over the weekend or. Any kind of TV show? That'd be awesome. Thanks. It would be. We should do that. Well, we've point. discussed it. We, we'll we get should, there. 
I, I wanted to talk about Loki, but Ian didn't watch it. Um, but that's okay. I'm not saying you had to. It's also five hours of your time to watch Loki. So it's like, it's yeah. understandable. But, this would have been it would have been harder, <laughs> this, especially this week. But no, we should pick a, like you know at least like if we if we had done it like this is how we would do it. We would pick a show like Loki and we'd have to watch one episode every week and talk about it. Yes, that makes sense. Had we had done that for Loki, but Loki is a giant setup show. That's not any spoilers, and that's what annoyed me at the end of it. That's what annoyed me. Yeah, you weren't happy with that. Falcon Winter Soldier. Wasn't a setup show. It sets up a, like a teeny bit, but it, there's it's a story. It's a self-contained story. It's its own thing. It's its own thing. Um, and then the was the first one, uh, WandaVision. Um, there it's a setup in a little bit, but it's it's its own story. So like yeah, the, the Winter Soldier and Falcon one, I liked the best because of that. It wasn't just setup. Plus, it wasn't also padded out like two extra episodes, like like uh, WandaVision was padded out. And um, uh, Loki, I don't think, was padded out. I just think they didn't know what to do with the idea after, like, three episodes, I'll just say. They just sort of ran out of ideas and said, oh, we got to do six episodes at least. <laughs> and it probably could have been, like, four. Or, you know, there was some padding. But it, it, it was still fun. Uh, we'll do a couple more here. Hey there, it's a quick man from the UK. My question okay. is, um, are there any rhythm games, either past or present, that you've gotten into or are getting into? Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. The Quick Man from Capcom. Thanks for, for <laughs> calling. Uh, I love rhythm games. Never been particularly great at any of them, but among ones that I have done time with, uh, I used to... We used to go to Canada to play DDR in Buffalo. Really? Yeah, before, before DDR machines were everywhere. So this would have been like third mix. So we're talking like the early days of DDR still. Um, we used to drive up to Clifton Hill in Canada, which was like a big touristy area that had a big arcade. And we'd play um, DDR. I used to play Pump It Up. Um, I have uh, played uh, a decent amount of Beat Mania 2DX. That is probably the rhythm game I am the worst at. And I love it. Um, I even took apart a couple of the PS2 controllers and modded them. Um, I've built my own modified dance pads. Um, and then in terms of like modern uh, rhythm games, I really like the uh, I really like Taiko no Tatsujin, the um, the Taiko Drum Master game. And uh, um, Voez on the Switch is one of my favorite rhythm games. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, so, oh, and I'm really, really big into all the Hatsune Miku rhythm games. I, I play a shitload of rhythm games. I just don't talk about it because I'm really bad at them. I enjoy uh, sitting in my chair, hitting the buttons, bouncing around to stupid music that I enjoy. Um, but I've never been, I, I, I've never gotten good enough at them to, to talk about them. So I, I don't. But yes, I am oftentimes playing rhythm games. I always forget that this was a Nintendo game, Elite Beat Agents. Yeah, Elite Beat Agents it. is fun. I'm, I, I, we, that's one we always miss out when we talk about properties Nintendo can probably bring back if they wanted to try. Um, it's funny because it was a different game in Japan, and I think they have they they, okay. they they've never brought them back. They've they they have put them references to them in like Smash. They have and stuff like that, yeah. But Elite Beat Agents, I played it. Um, I played through. I think most of it. It gets tough. It gets tough. Um, but. There was such a nice energy to Elite Ages. Not just great. I'm looking at the song selection. I forgot how many great songs are on here. Like you're talking about Chicago, David Bowie, Rolling Stones, Hoobastank on here, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Queens on here. See, I love the Avril game, Levine's but I song. thought I thought the 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 song selection was its weakest point. No, I, it's a it's a it's a nice sort of like soiree of uh, of different soirees. Anything with Queen, come on. 
you know, it's, it's uh, I was born to love you, which isn't like one of the, it's, it's like, that's like, that's like a B side queen song, but still. So I remember, I remember the game being that you have these little vignettes, little story vignettes. Yeah. And some are pretty touching. If I remember some are like, they're very cute. Some are like kind of touching about like one was like the memory of like her, her dead father or whatever. Or I think there was something like our dead mother or something. I'm like, there's some, this is like some thought put into this. This isn't just, okay, we're just doing like, you know, just dancing, we're just dancing around. There's like, there's a storyline here. And I'm surprised that they never thought about bringing, doing another one of those. Like that could be a switch game if they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, so that's the one, that's the one, the main one I remember playing. Uh, is that one? I don't like DDR because I just never got into it. Maybe I'm not core enough, or you're not really dancing. I don't know. But I do, I do like just dance, though. That's not really rhythm. That's actually just dancing. I wouldn't call that rhythm. Well, I mean, you still have to hit certain spots in time to the music, so it's rhythm. It's just a different type of rhythm game. But, but you're still doing stuff in, turn, t- in time yeah, to the music. Yeah, okay. All right. I, I enjoy just dance on, on the Wii. I enjoyed it. I remember playing at E3, the, whatever, the PlayStation one, because it actually was more, it did both both like limbs and everything and legs with the VR stuff. Not VR, but the fucking sensor thing that they had at the time. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And recently I've been playing Beat Saber. Yeah. Beat Saber? I play, when, I come, when it comes down to it, I play a shitload of rhythm games. <laughs> it's like one of oh. my most played genres, but I just don't ever talk about it because I'm not good at them. All right. We got, uh, we got one more here. I think we have a friend uh, that called in. Oh, hi there. This is your friend Tommy calling. Just wanted to thank you guys personally for all the death threats I've been getting, because that's <laughs> always nice. Yeah, and keep acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. As I walk out to my mailbox, and there's a threatening letter sitting in there, and it's got one of those stupid RBI baseball stickers <laughs> on it. I guess this is just a big joke to you guys, but I was actually fearing for my life at a Crayola Funhouse! <laughs> I'm probably the first person in history to ever say that. Any minute I'm thinking somebody's going to sneak up behind me with one of those colored pencils and boom, right in the <laughs> neck. That's how I would do it if I was going to kill me. But of course, I would never go through with something like that. But I think I know who would. Somebody who's been playing too much Nintendo Switch! <laughs> That's right. You know what, Tommy? I, you know what? We, we take for granted how much the Switch has perverted us and making us more violent. I, yes. You know, I, 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 you know, I agree about that. If you're in the games with, with blood and violence and sexual content and, and kids in sexual compromising positions and rape uh, on the Nintendo, if, 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 if that's what you want, then buy a Switch. Yeah, we forgot about that, Tommy. Well, I apologize there. All right, is that it for the podcast? That's it for the podcast. That's a good one. That was two hours. We're we're ending at one. We we tried. We tried. We tried to. We give you more bang for the buck out there. Go home and make a veggie burger. Oh, very nice. One of those Morningstar ones or Boca. Oh, Boca burger. I remember the classic. 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 I love them. I remember. I remember. I like garden burgers too. I remember buying those in my freaking garden. My garden apartments. I bought Boca burgers. I remember. I buy them from the the freezer station. I like them. Uh, and turkey, I used to do turkey burgers a lot. I've, I've fallen off the turkey uh, burger bandwagon the past few years. I should get back on it. Turkey burgers are great too. I used to eat them like one every other day. I used to, I used to get them. Yeah, I used to buy them like that. Because hmm. it's a it's a nice, healthy, tasty meal. Put some. Yeah. I used to put like some mustard on that and put some little bit little bit of uh, ketchup. I'm a mustard man. Sometimes without uh, without a bun, you want to save on the carbs. No, I'm not boring. Intermittent fasting. All right. Thanks so much to everyone. I'll be back uh, next week with tales from uh, Houston. Ranchabalooza. If, if you come out, say hi. Uh, I'll be doing fist bumps. I'm, I'm not sure I'll be shaking hands anytime soon, which is you know it's kind of antiquated anyway. But I'll, I'll do the fist bump for you. Or I'll do the I'll do the the um, Jose Canseco. We can get beyond handshake. McGuire 
forearm bash. Steroid forearm bash in the late 80s. Steroid forearm bash. The Bash Brothers. All right. Thanks. We'll see you later.